Welcome back, everybody, to Phil's Recap and Review. Better Call Saul, Season 4, Episode 10, or the season finale. Winner, the recap and discussion review. Holy shit! What a great hour and 20 minutes of television. I've just been jumping around like a fool the last little bit since watching that episode. It it gave me pretty much every motion, emotion I could possibly feel in a television episode. Made me feel like I was going to cry at some point sometimes. Made me feel like I was going to laugh. Made me feel stupid when... For a half a second, for a millisecond, for a tiny moment, I started to feel, wait, is Jimmy being legit here? And then he conned me. By the end of it, I knew what was going on. But what an amazing little monologue there at the end. Just what I thought, I didn't even think this, but just when you could think that they couldn't top last week's episode, and everyone's going to have their favorite moments, favorite sections of every season of a great television show. Especially when a show is this good, when it's in this echelon of excellent next level television that's that that's another perfect season of a television show whether you think it had its high points its low moments its slow times building things up it all comes to an ultimate conclusion the shadow of chuck was all over this we even get david saint hubbins singing us a song we get a spinal tap kind of thing where we get david saint hubbins singing a song we get to see chuck in his most human form we get to see that jimmy gets his license back and heads down the path to saul goodman this show made me feel emotional at times going down mike's whole storyline with varner and seeing how varner a character, Corey Mitchell said it in the chat a second ago, so I'll, I'll take credit as I steal Corey's thunder. This is completely my unique thought <laughs> that a character that could have easily just been a throwaway character, they could have made up other reasons to have him make mistakes or have to disappear simply just because Gus is being Gus. But ultimately, what we get is a character that I care about, not only him, but I care about his executioner as well. And seeing Mike dip his... I was going to say dip his dick. Dip dip his dick. Fine. I'll, I'll say it. Dip himself into that dark side and by the end be completely covered in shadows. And then Lalo is turning into a not I don't think I'm not even going to say a pleasant surprise because I think pretty much everyone in the live motherfucking chat who's with us tonight kind of could point out that Lalo is going to be an interesting character. But seeing him in practice in this episode, seeing him as a adversary for Mike definitely gives you a warm, happy feelings leading into the next episode. We get Howard back in full Howard form in this episode. A couple of moments where Jimmy's just bubbling over and seeing that whole lead up, seeing things through Kim's eyes and having her perspective as she thinks, oh, wow, Jimmy does care. And then seeing her be conned by that at the end and realizing what's happening is Jimmy just has no clue and he's going to become Saul Goodman. I don't even know how to stop right now. I'm, I'm really television excited. And you know, you can get super excited about a lot of things in your life, but right now I'm coming off, oh, I, it, I just got TV blown. I, I am blown away. That's right. TV blown away. I can't believe it. This is, this is, uh, this is a great episode of, of television. Last week's episode was an extreme high point of the season two. You wonder sometimes when you have these big episode nines in different series, how will those episode tens complement this? And it really did. It opened up possibilities for the next season, but really did close off a lot of the important avenues for next season. And you could see Jimmy leaving Kim behind as he moved on. And I think a lot of stuff we kind of pointed out and got, and got along the way, some stuff we didn't. But I think overall, this show just becomes better and better each season. And I loved this season of television. It This is for me. 
I was a little sad at times during this episode just thinking that it's over with five minutes left to the episode and Jimmy about to walk in for that trial, the trial situation or the, the hearing situation. Oh, I whistled. I paused and I looked and I, I said, oh, fuck. There's only five minutes left of this show. And then pro- pro- pros- bleh, pro- possibly? Probably or possibly, whichever word I wanted to decide, but I'm too excited, so I tried to say both of them at the same time. Usually when I stop like that and I have those moments where we're just a weird sound of words trying to come out, I'm trying to say two words and I'm merging them together or trying to say both words. Like, should I say this or should I say this? And they both come out like blah. But (laughs) with this next season probably, possibly being the final season, just, just a great last moment for season four leading into what I think and I think a lot of people think is going to be the last season of of Better Call Saul excellent this show is always came it's sneaky it was sneaky good for a while (laughs) in season one it had its ups and downs its slow moving moments as it was figuring out its feet and it was sneaky good at times then season two it was oh this show is good this show is fucking good Whoa, whoa 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 this is really good in season three last year oh it's still good they matched it oh it's still great and then this season four is everything starting to come together holy blood sucking television enjoyment level shit this was this was a great episode of tv done reviews over time over i don't have anything else to say get the bus i'm done oh phew i need to drive in the bus choo 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 Gizmo caca. I'm goofy right now. I'm very goofy. Let me pop into the live motherfucking chat and see what you guys are thinking about right now. Let's see. We Corey Mitchell says, I love this episode, but the mic stuff was hard to watch. And then it really was. It was emotionally heavy at times in this episode. This episode had a lot of weight. The shadow of Chuck loomed large and the shadow of Gus loomed large through a lot of it. This episode is the first time I've cried watching it. I came very damn close. If I wasn't taking notes and somewhat separated as I'm watching it, trying to write something about it while I'm going back and forth and then trying to use this thing to record some of the audio and stuff, I I got very damn close. My eyes were welting a couple of moments. Let's go. In what could have been easily... Oh, this is... I stole Corey Mitchell's thunder here before when I was stealing his comments it could have been easily throwaway character somehow made me care about him and his executioner edward says damn it we have no business feeling bad for mike who just committed murder but oh poor mike i agree dude what the fuck vince gilligan what the fuck peter gould i gotta start giving peter gould just as much credit as vince gilligan because they both have just as much to do with the amazingness of this series vince gets a lot of the lightning rod entertainment because he's the reason this whole universe exists and breaking bad was his brainchild and he is the head of all of this but peter gould better call saul is really his baby that vince has adopted as well and made his own as well whereas breaking bad was vince's baby and I, that's not to say that Vince doesn't have ownership, but a lot of I throw the praise on Vince, and I'm going to continue to throw that praise on Vince. But Peter Gould all, also deserves the credit for the pure joy that goes into the making of this show and listening to him talk about it and listening to him talk, talk, talk in the Better Call Saul Insiders podcast about his passion for this character. He created the character of Saul Goodman, so his idea for this show is very different and I'm glad Vince came in. Obviously it would not be this show. 
uh, because the show that Peter Gould wanted to do was a half an hour situational comedy. So no, bad Peter Gould. But he is the co-creator of this, and I want to give them both fucking credit because I I lick I lick Vince Gilligan's labias enough, and it's uh, it's it's time to uh, time time to do some butt sniffing on on Peter Gould too. You guys both, you guys make a great pasta here, dudes. You guys are really spinning up a great television pasta. <laughs> but Mike knew that guy was dead either way. Better for him to do it than Gus, who might kill him slowly. Or knowing what Gus's guys are like, because he's worked with a lot of them, he didn't want to subject Varner to that kind of situation. He wanted to be the one that, if I if I have to put down Lady, spoiler alert, spoiler alert of Game of Thrones, ding, 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 ding. If I have to, if no one's going to know what I mean, whatever. If I have to put down Lady, if someone's putting down Lady, it's me. Instead of playing Norman Reedus $20 billion, I said billion, it's million. The Walking Dead should pay Vince Gilligan whatever he wants to write, write their show. Him and his team, yes, I agree with that. I think... I thought about that a lot last today, tonight when I was watching the episode or a few times in the commercials when we saw those horribly cheesy Walking Dead commercials. I don't want to get into it. But Better Call Saul never does not get the same kind of push that the final seasons of Bre- Breaking Bad didn't either at the beginning. They were very supportive of what they wanted to do, but they didn't really put the whole backing of AMC behind it. And Better Call Saul gets pretty good reach out there, but there's some people that it's – it's one of those best-kept secrets on television. Not only is it one of the best shows on television, it's one of those best-kept secrets because a lot of people sleep on it. And I'm not saying everyone, we're on the air, we're the inside people. Blah. I don't mean it necessarily like that. I think a lot of people watched the first season that were Breaking Bad fans expected or wanted something else, or either wanted that excuse me, situational comedy thing that I was talking about that was originally the show was sold on. And we're like, this is funny, but it's not funny enough. This is dramatic, but it's not dramatic enough. And they didn't have the patience to stick with the show to the end. I know a lot of folks that I knew jumped off really early in the Breaking Bad Breaking Bad fans that really doing a disservice to themselves not going back and giving this show a legitimate shot. I'm not one of those people that uh, if I'm into the cool band, I don't want anyone to be into them because I don't want them to get too mainstream. I'm not worried about that with this creative team. They're never going to let an audience audience really depict or push the direction of their story they're going to do what they want to do so and what they think is cool ultimately but I hope in this final season if season five is ultimately the final season of Better Call Saul I hope AMC gives them not just the money that the actors or pays Vince whatever he wants to write this shit actually give Better Call Saul the push that it it could use for for ratings why not instead of have I – mean, I know Monday nights, it's night, but when it first airs, a show like The Walking Dead would be a – I don't know. You put it on its prime evening. You put it on that Sunday night prime spot right after The Walking Dead initially, at least for a little while. I, I don't know. Whatever. Fucking assholes. I, I'm not going to – I'm not into programming. Let, let's uh, – let's, let's, let me not – I don't want to go down there. Let, let's, I'm going to celebrate the awesomeness that was this fucking episode. But, uh, but Corey Mitchell's right. Pay these guys. These guys are the best. These guys are the best television team working. There's no questions asked. Freaking amazing finale, Bluefish. Yeah. Do you think Lalo deleted the security camera footage? I think he's smart enough to do that. I think what we're learning about Lalo is Lalo is he is he covers his asses and he knows he knows what to do. Holy shit, Melly McGill. 
Thank you, Melly. Thank you so much. And thank you to all of our Better Call Saul fans and all the folks that have joined us this season to talk about this show throughout there, whether it's listening to the audio cast or watching the YouTube video after the fact, or you awesome motherfuckers that joined me live to watch this, and especially to our Super Chat donators, our patrons, our donators, and all the people that support us. It everywhere you guys are amazing and here is a spin of the fucking wheel for melly mcgill okay so let me continue here in the live chat i want to catch up in the live chat before i go before i go any further want to go in the live chat <laughs> live chat forever <laughs> oh it's a joe character impression so <laughs> we get i'm gonna spin again since joe isn't here and uh i don't want to iou a joe character impression do you think Chuck is much better singer than Jimmy? Yeah, Chuck Chuck is the lead singer of a rock band called Spinal Tap. If you haven't already, it, do yourself a favor, have some enjoyment, and watch This Is Spinal Tap and watch Chuck in his early years and how amazing the, the bigger the cushion, the sweeter the pushing, that's what they say. Spinal Tap, awesome band. I, I'd play some right now, but I don't want the video flagged. The thin and the because Chuck respects the law and Appa is law. <laughs> it's over for Jim and Kimmy. She sees him for the phony is. Yeah, I agree. She, she, she was worried and thought he was putting up walls when Chuck first died first killed himself and was reading the letter. But now this is the last straw for her. Ultimately, in the sense of. He, there is no off switch. What have I created? She had a chimp with a machine gun kind of look about her when she was looking at him too. Like, what have I done? What am I a part of? What am I going to look back on and regret what I helped facilitate here by making this thing seem genuine? So I think there's some fucked up shit happening coming up for Kim and Jimmy in the next season. What's up, DJ Better? The lovely DJ Better is in the live motherfucking chat. Corey Mitchell, yeah, I think we figured uh, figured out where the line is for Kim. Uh, I agree. So I am zipping through. It has to be weird for Phil going from reviewing garbage to Picasso. It is a weird transition. I don't want to talk too much about that. Maybe towards the end, Corey. But the the 24-hour transition for me alone coming out here to babble about a show and, and being excited and being like, oh, I'm excited to talk about this. Just look at my uh, – you just have to go A, B roll uh, from last night to tonight and see my temperament and, and my body language and shit. But let's, get, let's continue, Corey. <laughs> hey, we got Lindsay, Corey. We got Bernie. Bernie in the live motherfucking chat. Great to see, great to see Birdie. Yes, get Vince Gilligan and Peter Gould to write Walking Dead. Fuck Walking Dead right now. Get Vince Gilligan and Peter Gould to start reading A Song of Ice and Fire and do one of the prequel series. But no, not even they can save The Walking Dead right now. And yeah, they could. But, but, but I don't want them to waste their talents on that fucking show. Get them on a better show. Uh, I Keep this team together working and don't make them and, – and I hope they are – and they're not going to always stick in this universe. They're going to work together for a long time in some fashion, I believe. They enjoy each other's company. They enjoy working together. They have a great creative relationship. And their whole team enjoys coming together to work on projects. So I don't think every, every project that they're going to work on is going to be set in this universe. I'm also interested to see what Vince Gilligan's HBO thing he's going to be working on uh, 
presenting pretty soon is going to be like, aside from this universe. It's going to see more of what Vince did. You can also look back to some of the set towards the back half of X-Files stuff or mid-level. I'm not sure when he jumped on the X-Files, but he basically ran half of the X-Files at at a certain point in time as well. So it's going to be cool to see where they go in the future, but we got... I'm very excited to see one more season and where they're going to go. And who knows? I could be wrong about next season being the last, but it feels like we're getting closer in that gap. And he is Saul Goodman next season, and everything's going to kind of align right up perfectly. Each show is five seasons, ultimately. And I think... I'd be very surprised if next season isn't the last season. And that's doesn't that doesn't mean I think that they couldn't keep doing great things past that. I just know that these guys know when to get off the ride. They know the that's a talent. That's their they have many television superpowers. And yes, again, this is me spreading my television love and licking the butts of these guys. And I don't care. But one one of Vince Gilligan's superpowers and and the way they talk about it is they're so Aw shucksy about the whole thing, but this they're so checks and balance. Like, we don't want to suck. We wouldn't want to suck. They're so conscious. It's not that they care what fans think. They care what them what them themselves as fans of television and of the entity care about. And they're thinking, eh, not they're not thinking, ah, how can we how can we drag this out and make more uh, get more work and more things? They're thinking, how can we make this not suck? And how can we go out when things are still fresh? What's that perfect moment to go out? They're thinking about that shit consciously. And other shows don't. And I think that's the problem with some other shows even on the same network. And what makes this so perfect is they don't necessarily know where they're going to go. A big misconception is they know exactly how this, you know, this XYZ is going to happen. They don't. They figure things out in a very natural, organic, discussion-oriented think tank, similar to the way the guys from South Park work, actually, where they come up with an idea and they just bap, they sit in a room and they have a writer's group write about it and brainstorm and then Vince and Peter take it and go, okay, this is really good and we're going to add this, 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 and this, and then everyone gets writing credits. Uh, and, well, in South Park, just Matt and Trey do. But, but I just mean in the sense of uh, that everyone gets together and kind of has a fun, freeform discussion uh, while people are taking notes and they try to come up with the most fun and rational and cover both bases and actually make sense to what goes, what goes on. It's, it's a very happy writer's room from, from uh, what people who, that have studied the area have studied the area. There's a, this is a great book. I've talked about it a lot. You can find it on Audible, and you can use your free Audible link. And it's it's basically all about show creators and how they work. And one thing that changes comparatively to this writer's room compared to other ones is there's more of a sen- sense of synergy. There's not, there's not a lot of tension. It's all about just hanging out and chilling and coming up with great thoughts, where something like The Sopranos, for instance, was a lot of people getting fired, getting, you know, ah, thanks, that script sucks. I'm, I got to make it good. And uh, you, get the, you get the fuck out of here. You're done. Let me, con- let me continue down the motherfucking chat. I would watch a half an hour of the taco place. <laughs> Don't get anyone to write The Walking Dead. Just end it. The only con for this season of Saul, Nacho gets overlooked. Nacho did. Nacho was the one uh, thing we did not see in the finale. Oh, uh, we also do see Ga- Gale, and we see Mike, Gale, and Gus all in the same room. And that is, as far as I can remember, is this the first time Gus and I mean Gale and Mike have met? Lao is an S O motherfucking B. 
Greed Blowfish. Let me scroll through. I want to get down to the chat. Vincent Company can write interesting, compelling characters. The other show characters about interesting as, as a dump my dog took last evening when I was walking him. I hope you clean that up. Lau straight up pulled some Spider-Man shit tonight. That was really odd. I totally read that. He's, someone's been playing the Spider-Man video game. Lalo's. Oh, my goodness. You're so right, Phil, about next season being the last one. I bet one of the episodes next season will wrap up Gene and Omaha's story as well. I agree. I almost think that that could be, that could be a whole episode. But it's probably not going to be a whole episode. But it should be. And I... I I tend to think Better Call Saul ends in the Gene timeline. That the final scenes that we see, we're going to see two more Gene scenes. We didn't see, I forgot to mention that, we didn't see any Gene scenes in, it rhymes. We didn't see any Gene scenes this this semester, I was going to say, this final in this final episode. But I do think we're, again, going to start next season off with a Gene scene. And I also think we're going to bookend the series with one more Gene scene to conclude the Saul storyline. Hey, Rich, hit like. Hit like about this fucking episode of Better Call Saul, and thank you so much for hitting the like for our silly podcast as well. Would have been better if Lalu fell through. That would have been funnier, Bertie. I would have loved that. Oh, my goodness. I don't know if they'll wrap up Gene in Nebraska. I think the greatest punishment for Jimmy is living in obscurity. Excellent point, Corey Mitchell. And I think this is another thing, I what I was mentioning about the writer's room. They don't know yet. They have no clue yet. Until they start working on the final season, they've had discussions about it. They've contemplated it. They don't have any real conceptual understanding, or, or they they have some they have some thoughts is what they've said. And I and I don't. All crows are liars, and all show creators are liars. To and Vince Gilligan's a liar. But certain aspects of what they say, and when they're breaking things down on that podcast, I believe some of the stuff that they say. And when it comes down to, yeah, we have thoughts about where that's going, but we have no concrete direction yet. We don't know. How long is it? They're strangely vague. I think Vince and Peter know the end point, just like with Breaking Bad. They know what the final point that they want to see Gene or Saul in. They don't know how they're going to get there yet. They have to get there correctly. And I think that's one of the better ways to better ways to write. It's the better ways to put all this shit together. It's the better ways for me to stall and move my little cursor up there. And better ways to... Oh God, why can't I ever do this once correctly? The better ways to start the... Recap! Yeah, that's right. This episode was so exciting, I just did a vibra slap solo all over my body. You guys don't want to know, I'm still hitting myself with that vibra slap. You just can't see it. Oh, my vibe. <laughs> Is Saul going to have a happy ending? I don't think so. I think... Is if anyone, I hope Nacho. No, I don't think anyone has a happy ending here. I think, I think the end of next season is not going to be a very happy place. <laughs> Has the writing started for season five yet? I do not think so. Not quite yet. Probably pretty soon, though. <laughs> He's going to have a happy ending all over the place. All over the place. Splat. Splat. 
<laughs> Bernie, I gotta. You you make you make me blush with dirty thoughts. Holy shit! When you when you do stuff like that, Jeffrey Townsend has another writing. I'm not sure has started yet. Probably pretty soon, as I as I just said. So which is bigger win, Jimmy being a lawyer again or the Klingons getting their hair back? Whoa, 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 whoa. Hey now, wait. I haven't, I haven't seen some uh, clips yet of Discovery. Wait, wait. Did they, did they redesign the Klingons again? It's, it's, uh, wait, do we have Worf here? Luigi onesie or go home. What the fuck are you doing here? You couldn't even wear your Luigi onesie for the season finale? What kind of asshole are you, Phil? What, what can I look at? Why are we even watching this guy? No Luigi onesie. I agree. I should have. I should have. I should have had it on under and then just bust it all out. <laughs> I gotta get one of those, uh, like the the stripper thing, the the, the breakdown. What do they call them? Like flash outfits or theater outfits, and just have the Luigi make it seem like I'm in a suit and just bust out the Luigi. It's time for the recap. You do not need to apologize. I'm so filthy too. That I that I try to hold it back at all times. My mind always goes there. It it's it never doesn't, and it's 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 hard. Well, I don't want to tell you guys about that. No, it's it's difficult for me to hold it back. So you're you're like itching me over that path. You're like you're like it's it's just like uh, it's, you're you're encouraging the person that doesn't need much encouraging to take things in a dirty direction. So it's it's all good. It's all good. Yeah. So let's get into this motherfucking shit here, into this recap. Okay, so I, I, I had a couple of opening thoughts here. Good clock tonight in the mic thing. Good setup. Gus is coming. Gail and Chuck and Chuck and Mike meet. Jimmy oh, being this uh, close to the emotional line through the whole episode was a great lead up. You, I knew through the whole episode that he wasn't going to allow himself to – that he was going to have a break at some point. And I, I mean, I think it was obvious they were foreshadowing that through the whole episode. He wasn't going to deal like when he breaks down on that kid. Lalo, fun character, so crafty, not something we've really seen Mike on the other side of. A Salamanca with the drive of Hector, but using a different tool instead of a blunt object like Hector being someone that's a little bit more crafty with stuff. It's, uh, it's interesting to see this dynamic working against Gus and Mike. I know, that's where the frosting of the Cinnabon happens. Ew. And in the end, children, that is how Saul Goodman transits to Harvey Birdman, Attorney Law. If filming season five is set at the beginning of next year, they probably won't start writing season five till next month. That's my guess. I think Lindsay is correct. Correct. I don't know why I had to say it like that. I don't know why I had to say it like Owen Wilson. I'm correct. Or Dr. Evil or Lauren Michaels. A combination of all of them, but n none committal. Uh, it was a, it was a combination of all those fucking things. Okay, so who else thought the girl who didn't get the scholarship was going to go straight up rob a bank? Oh, she's she, Saul has ruined her life. She, we're gonna see her in an episode next season, or, or we've seen her in Breaking Bad. That's uh, that's Jane from Breaking Bad or something. <laughs> that would be amazing. You guys in the live chat are cracking me up so much. It's hard to even want to read anything else but you guys' comments. You guys is you guys is in the live chats is so nice, so nice. So let's get into this. We come back in, and it's the past, and we see Jimmy with uh, he's a he's gonna be a lawyer for the very first time, and Chuck is there representing him or speaking on his behalf. So let's listen to some audio. Let's go back and listen to some parts of this episode and go through it. This is going to feel a lot better. I'm going to relax, eat a sandwich, and listen to some of this fun stuff here. As we see Chuck, for maybe the very first time, being an all right guy, 
to Jimmy. He He's as close to proud of him as he's ever been in this moment. He still condescends to him to a certain extent, but he's connecting to him. Chuck, at this point, I think in time he's already lost or his wife's already left, but he's not quite full. Well, welcome, my son. Welcome to the machine. He's not quite down that direction quite yet either. Oh, ooh, here we go. Let's see. Do we, do we do we have it? Do we have it? Yes, we do. Okay, we have we have a text message here that says, "Amazing, great stuff. I love this fucking episode, Phil. Thank you, area code two one five. This is also from area code four zero eight. Says Phil uh, Nirvana Design here. A point to bring up in the next Better Call Saul in is the Hank Easter egg line. Saul says the they dangle these things in front of you, but they already made up their minds. Sounds eerily familiar to Hank's final words before his untimely but epic demise. I'm not sure if there's a link, but come on. This is Vince fucking Gilligan. Let's talk about this. I do think Hank is a very likely candidate to show up at some point in time. I think he's one of the Breaking Bad people that makes a lot of sense to have him come in line with the Salamancas at some point or some sort of the drug connection. Hmm. <clears throat> Jane, speaking of happy end, I love you guys in the live chat. You cracked me up as always. I am so lucky to have you checking out this silliness and adding to the, adding to the, basically adding to the, being a co-host to the show. Even when Joe can't be here, I'm always lucky enough to have the live motherfucking chat as the best co-host in the world. All love to Joe aside. The best third, the best third co-host. <laughs> Okay, it's somewhere Joe's. We have the single tear of uh, Joe crying. He's like, but Phil, what about me? The best co-host in the world, the live motherfucking chat. I mean, second best co-host in the world. <laughs> so we come back in and let's listen to a little bit of this shit. Yeah, I, I foreplayed it. Let's let's get to a little uh, Chuck, Chuck, Chuck Boba. I'm glad they brought Chuck back again in the season. This was a this was a much deeper dive into Chuck. Seeing him in this context felt oddly weird and fun at the same time to see that Chuck wasn't always a dick cheese to Jimmy. That he had the potential to be decent and it it made me kind of sad too. I love seeing these two actors together and I love seeing them interact in this context in a way that we've never seen them interact before. All we're they're getting along. They're having fun. They eventually sing together. It's it's good stuff. Let's listen to a little bit of this. Oh no! Oh no! Okay. See, I thought for a second if people listened to a earlier show, I thought for a second again we had those uh, that awful audio situation. But no, we're fine. Play it now, asshole. Or my brother, James Morgan McGill. Your Honor, Smith. Oh yeah, I love how we get the uh, Karate Kid. Winner takes it all. Loser takes a fall. Gotta fight it. Oh no, over the top. It was an over top reference. Not not fucking karate kid. Over the top. Gotta fight it over the top. Got solo proprietor. And oh I have shit. The pleasure to stand about today for Francis Hugh. They really didn't sing together. They they Chuck took it over. But aren't we glad Chuck took it over? And I forgot our super chat donator. Holy shit, landed on Phil Drink. So I do need to go in the other room and grab a shot at some point in time. Don't let me forget, live motherfucking chat. I owe the Super Chat Donator a shot. That me needs to happen. Antonio says, this episode broke my heart. Go Pats. This episode did at times really, 
really pull on the emotional moments. And some of those times just with seeing Jimmy with Chuck and that kind of emotional baggage carrying around through all that and having to go through the motions and having to be reminded of the things that hurt you. And when Jimmy broke down and cried with all of the weight of it finally crushing him, I think anyone who's faced any kind of loss, and especially when you have to go through the same circles of the same avenues and be reminded and you don't and you don't necessarily your relationship with the person that passes isn't necessarily positive and then you have to hear great wonderful things about them after the fact and play into this kim's plan was valid to try to show that he had some emotional connection to his brother but it was also the most painful thing you could possibly do to jimmy and seeing him go through that seeing mike's God, having to kill someone that viewed him as a friend and seeing the German discover all that. So many emotional moments and seeing Kim Kim completely lose any any love she has for Jimmy, I think, in some ways at the end of this episode. Or any hope she has for a future. It's me, Phil. Okay, it's Melly McGill. So it's got to be Tito's. Fair enough. It's got to be Tito's. So let me play some more of this. What do I got? How much time do I have? I have 54 seconds here. But now I'm only falling apart. Nothing I can do. Total eclipse of the heart. Oh, Ernesto. I love how we this one. I love we how we get an Ernesto yeah. reference. And then we get Kim and Jimmy in some of their early interactions. Jimmy is so optimistic. It's so fun to see. Joe talked about this a little bit on the last time he was on last week about how we've seen so many different sides of of Jimmy and Saul, and that's that's Odenkirk's talent, and I think it's where the fact that they have an improv comic that, in a sketch comic kind of guy, and a stand-up, or someone that can work so many different angles in so many different ways, his and has played so many little subtle changes to characters on Mr. Show, or in some of his bit parts in comedy, comedy cameos. To see all the different layers of Saul, the young Jimmy, the the opportunistic Jimmy later on, the straight up Saul Goodman vibe that we get at times. And then this young, oh, I love Chuck so much, Jimmy. It's so beautiful. The total eclipse of my eardrums forever and forever. You're not going to get that out of my head, Ernesto. The singing was god awful. Melly, I am going to run and get... We get 56 seconds. I'm going to go get some Tito's in 56 seconds. I will be back. I'm not doing bohemian rap today. You're doing your own song after Ernie. I'm going to do one by myself. No, this is my night. I'm a lawyer now. All right? I've been barred for a whole three hours. You don't sing that with me. I sue you. Okay, well, I'll just sue you right back. Then I double sue you. That is not a thing. Well, it could be. You know, once my full powers are unleashed, you want to risk that? Yes, yes, he is. Yep. <laughs> oh, Chuck's gonna bail. Well, you know, it's not really his kind of place. Yeah, but the, the guy never has any fun. I was hoping tonight he might. I, I was. Lo- I loved seeing Ernesto again, and uh, so here's where we get more into how. Uh, so yeah, he just said that that uh, this is the first time he's been out. He kind of hoped that he was gonna meet a girl and all of that. So this is. 
after Rebecca has left and before he really starts to go off the deep end. This is Chuck in, like, prime Chuck era. You know, mingle with the lady folk. Oh, he will when he's ready. I'm going in. Okay, good luck. Pick a good one. And now he comes up. He sees Chuck leaving, and he goes to run after him. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Jimmy, it's been great fun. Really, it has, but I've got early meetings. Come on, ten minutes. Just uh, ten more minutes. Ten. Jimmy. You can do that. Jimmy. You cannot leave. I'm, I'm up next. Oh. Yeah, me. You leave now. Tomorrow you're going to go to work, and people are going to tell you how great my performance was. You're never going to forgive yourself for missing it. All right. All right, Jimmy, I'll stay. Uh, great. You, you won't regret it. Now, come on. This is me. So he knows his brother in this situation. He goats him into staying because he knows that Chuck won't be able to sit there and listen to him sing badly. <laughs> and I think that's a fun. I think that's fun. And I, this shows. I think this shows they set this scene up to show that things weren't always awful between the two of them, and to show how far things went and how far things separate, how far things got pushed away from each other, and. And how Chuck kind of destroyed the love that Jimmy had for him. And I think in some ways Chuck is most responsible for not being more like this with Jimmy over time. And getting so inwardly focused and whatever. I mean, I know Chuck had his issues. As we all, we all got issues. But really, such an awful fucking brother. <laughs> okay. I don't want to talk. About things we've gone through Though it's hurting me Now it's history Get up here, no I played all my cards And that's what oh. you've done oh. too And obviously I'm not doing that because of the Tito's I'm doing that because of Jimmy singing Odenkirk can do a lot of things But singing's not one of them Winner takes it all. This is takes it takes it all. Let's go, let's go. That's her destiny. I was in your arms. Yeah. Thinking I belong there. I think it makes sense. Oh, yeah. Now we get to really hear David St. Hubbins kick in. And again, if you haven't already, turn me the fuck off and go watch Spinal Tap. Seriously, Joseph, just for humor's sake, don't watch the whole movie, but look up on YouTube, like pause my video for a second and go just look up Spinal Tap and search song Big Bottom or Sex Farm or something like that. And ju I just want I'm curious what your initial thoughts of seeing of listening to Spinal Tap would be uh, having never heard them. They're very 80s uh, glammy at times, but uh, it's, it's interesting to watch Chuck at Chuck after that. We watch Michael McKeon in that context, thinking about him from Chuck. 
backwards. It really is. This is Spinal Tap. And they're also one of my favorite bands. I love all their songs. As someone who's a fan of comedy rock and loves and loves uh, big band, big heavy metal from the 80s at times or glam metal, the, the correct kind of vibe to it. I think uh, Spinal Tap as a band, too, is uh, is very is very underrated and they play all their instruments. I actually saw them on tour once and uh, they put on a really good show. Because I, because be, I believe, I believe okay, virtually everything I read. So, uh, so Jimmy's happy, and then we see what really is a, ultimately worked for me as an emotional scene to see the two brothers, both as lawyers, coming to the house, and Jimmy's so happy, so proud of himself that he's finally in the club with his brother. That we later find out that he knows he'll never be in, and he needs to just destroy. He needs to break the wheel. And let's listen to some of this. Watch, no, watch your step, Jimmy. All the way. That's it. That's it. McGill and McGill. The yeah. brothers McGill. Yeah. I'm a lawyer. Yeah. And you're a lawyer. Yeah. Two lawyers. How about that? How about that? M&M. No, it's in your mouth, not your hand. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Hey, you got to tell Howard uh, to add another M to the firm because it'll make it more symmetrical uh -oh. and people love symmetricality i can't argue with that yeah oh no 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 come on sit sit yeah okay okay yeah yes uh a curie 624 chuck not suffering not yet that's why god gave us two eyes <laughs> You know, more pleasant to look at. Hands, and two feet, thumbs, and nipples. We could get by with one nipple. Yeah, am I right? You may be more right about this than anything you've ever spoken about before. Thank no, you, no, Chuck. And I, I don't want to celebrate Chuck as much. He, he takes care of him. They have a connective tissue moment, something we haven't seen too often up until this point. But that's the thing about people like this in a relationship. It's the frustrating point. At times, they can connect with you. And when they when they feel like going down to your level a little bit, Chuck's a little drunk. He's a little wrapped up in the moment. So he'll play Jimmy's game, but he'll, he'll condescend in him a little bit. But it's good to see some warmth because he's proud of him to a certain extent in this moment. He doesn't he'll never let him be on the same lawyer team as him, but he is or on the same level as him because he's not. He's not as good of a lawyer as him and Chuck will remind him of that constantly and make sure he's never as good of a lawyer as he is. But he is as proud of him as he possibly could be in this moment. So it's eliciting brotherly love which is something I don't know how often Jimmy has seen or how often they connect. The vibe that you get in the scene is this isn't the only moment that they've had these moments before, that the that they've sang this song before. He knew his brother well enough to, knew that, to know that he would step up in that moment and start singing that song and that he would take over the moment. He knew he could lay on his brother's bed and sleep in his bed with his brother. It's, it's, a, it's a good thing to see this. For, for Chuck. It doesn't make the shit Chuck does any worse. It just makes him more rounded and more human of a person. And less of just an idea. It makes us really believe, oh, okay, Chuck's a real fucking person. What an asshole. But he could be nice when he wanted to be. Otherwise, why would Jimmy, why wouldn't have Jimmy, 
run away a long time ago. And why he has there has to be some honey there to bring people in. When people are fucked up like that, they bring you in, they bring you in, then they fuck with you. If you don't do what you they tell you to do because you're stupider than they are. So they want you to listen. Listen, dummy. Listen, you dummy. For six nipples, it's interesting. Exactly, Joseph. He's a legitimate good rock singer. He can sing that shit. And awesome. Thank you for checking that out. It's cool to see someone that hasn't checked out Spinal Tap to just look at it in sort of a vacuum of of knowing Michael McKeon as an actor and as a performer. It's it's not quite the same thing because it's a different instru- different instrument, but it's almost like being completely familiar with all of Steve Martin's material as a comedian. Uh, as a stand-up comedian or more as a movie actor and then suddenly watching him play the play the uh play the banjo and it's just like oh shit oh shit i didn't see you in this fucking context and michael mckeon even though it's a funny movie and if you, you have a chance definitely watch the whole movie this is spinal tap it's it's you've seen many things like that but it was the first thing like that it was a uh, inspiring moment to those to those uh improv kind of things improv television shows and movies to come later i i dare say if you don't have this is spinal tap you don't have shows like curb your enthusiasm later on it's definitely very influential on filmmaking and just media and entertainment in general just from a movie standpoint and it's funny as fuck because you have so many great comedians working on that christopher guest and harry Shear both in the main cast of spinal tap and harry Shear does ton if you don't know who he is, he's been in fucking everything. He's uh, a lot of the voices on The Simpsons, and Christopher Guest is he also been in everything, been in tons of shit. But you, most people know him mainly from from uh, The Princess Bride, The Six Fingered Man. So, really great cast. You'll you'll recognize a lot of other people. Billy Crystal's in it. I believe Dana Carvey might pop up at some point. Fran Drescher, Rob Reiner. Uh, as the director and put it together and is also in it as well. So definitely check out This is Spinal Tap. I know, what, what are you talking about? The Better Call Saul podcast. Well, Chuck was on this and Michael McKeon is fucking in Spinal Tap. So this is actually relevant, more relevant than some of the other rants I've gone on in my past. This actually makes sense. He sings in this episode and everyone should watch Spinal Tap. It's fucking awesome. Watch Spinal Tap instead of my podcast. It's great. Yeah, don't forget Rob Reiner. Yeah, Rob Reiner's amazing, amazing, and you forget how funny he can be as an actor when you. Uh, he's great in little parts, like in Ed TV. He's really funny, and obviously, he's on one of the funniest sitcoms of all time in All in the Family. So, so it's uh, it's easy to overlook Rob Reiner's talents as an actor, but he's very funny in Spinal Tap, especially in some of the scenes where he's in in the scenes where he's interviewing people. And he, he has a very funny comedic timing mixed with everybody. And uh, all in all, one, one of my favorite movies. David Same Hubbins. Yep, David Same Hubbins. It is, it's a parody of the music business. But what's really cool about it is they all play their own instruments. And they really are playing and writing those songs. So I appreciate it as from a movie standpoint, from a com- comedy standpoint, and as a musician as a rock band playing in a lot of rock bands that have covered Spinal Tap songs and just like into the music as well. I believe it or not, I like, I'll turn on Spinal Tap and like listen to the music. 
Yep. Rob Reiner wrote a lot of it. How many rockers actually got lost in the venue trying to stage? Or how many, anytime anyone's ever been in a band, they've quoted Spinal Tap. It's, it, it happens. Okay. So I submit to the chorus. Uh, Let's listen to some more of uh, David St. Hubbins. HHMM. Hmm. <laughs> so that's better. HHM is just. <clears throat> no. Fucking meathead. Yes, Bernie. Jimmy, I, I put a trash can by the bed just in case. When you think of everything, very smart, Chuck. All right, now some water here for you. Thank you. He's such a good guy, that Chuck. And this is where he gets into he he's he's actually caring caring with him. He's he asks him what he wants. He's he's you're no chimp with a machine gun. You're my brother. You ain't too heavy. What do you feel like in the morning? Eggs or pancakes? Pancakes. Make those pancakes you make. Pancakes Aww. it is. Yeah. Aww. Get some rest, Jimmy. Aww. You've had a big day. Yeah. A big day. We're an hour in and we haven't even made it through the cold open. But a lot of this I'm just going to yada yada through. I think some of the bigger points are the beginning and the end of this episode. There's a lot of yada room in the middle. But I love how I've talked for an hour about the cold open. But it's so good. It's so fucking good. Yep. Good night, Chuck. Good night. The winner takes it all. Loser has to fall beside the victory. That's her destiny. I was in your arms, thinking I belonged there. I figured it was. And it's just really nice seeing the two of them connect on this level. It's it it really works. It made me happy to see it, and uh, I think it was needed. So we come back in, and Mike is leading the charge to find this guy. They got all his men organized, fanning out in groups. Mike is so hurt, or not hurt, just feeling dumb through the whole beginning half of the episode. He calls Travel Wire and tracks down the payment from the wife. We don't, you don't often see Mike this urgent and this freaking out, but it's good to see it, right? It's good to see Mike kind of on edge. It forces him to do everything. You saw everything in Mike's bag tonight. You saw Mike when he can go real dark and go and kill somebody and go and go there if he has to. You see Mike being able to aw shucks people and do the Columbo thing where he goes, oh shucks, you know. I'll, uh, my, my, my mom's dead or my, my, this, he, he's got dementia and like, he can't find somebody or like going that route, like making people feel bad for him and connecting to people like that. I forget I have his name written down somewhere. Uh, I love how clerks are always interesting. They don't just, they don't just fuck off those character castings either. The guy who worked at the, the wire place, the, the, the Western union knockoff place. He, they could have just half-assed that character, but they actually cast a kid that had some, had some ke- chemistry with what was going on in the scene and had some charisma acting-wise, and it worked. Similar to Lyle, or uh, is that his name? The kid that works with Gus. They, they end up casting these little parts and actually paying attention and getting good little actors to play these parts. Instead of just saying, ah, fuck that. We, we can get anyone to play that character. It doesn't matter. But no, they don't, they don't do anything like that. They, uh, even the little characters are, 
kind of come to play. And that actor really comes to play in this episode. But Mike just feels dumb. He calls the travel wire, tracks on the payment. Then we see Jimmy at Chuck's grave and starting on the mission of Watermelon what pickles. Jimmy's going to be doing. 1,001, He's on slippery footing with Gus. He wanted to save his ass and... Varner's but strike three he's out yeah he had no he knew that Gus wasn't he had no leg to stand on arguing with Gus about the topic at a certain point in time he Varner gave him no other fucking choice it's awesome didn't expect to see Chuck again after the flashback me either I kind of thought that we would not get another Chuck sighting until next season it was good to see him in there even more for even longer and actually get some meaty shit to do in this episode. And even, even when he was not in this episode, this was definitely a very Chuck heavy episode. And I like that. And cause he's such an important part of the first three seasons of this show. He's a central figure. And I think Michael McKeon and the character is just so important to what makes this show awesome to, I'm glad that and they're not overdoing it to have him come in twice was the perfect amount of time and he was it was definitely a surprise in this episode and the cold opens are some of the best parts of Better Call Saul and this one was exceptionally awesome too. Mel Mel you have me uh you have me buzzed from that shot of uh, Tito's so toast to you. Thanks Mel again for that super chat donation. You're amazing. <laughs> Lindsay Abbott is the greatest pop band in history. This is not up for debate. The Money Wire kid definitely reminds you of some kid you've worked with or dealt with at some point in the life. Exactly. And that's what I'm saying. It's it's Tobias Beecher. No. It's it's a character that can easily it's three it's. It's three it's worth of a character. It's, it's, it's the kind of character that it is can easily just be a throwaway, but to have someone that I'm going to remember to a certain extent, I'm going to remember he was an interesting character and I'm going to look forward when I do rewatches to see these scenes with this kid. It's, it's important. It, it adds to it. It's, it's no character, no moment are throwaways. If you're trying to make a great series, it's not about, ah, oh, we don't have to worry about that. It's, no, we got to worry about everything. And make sure this all makes sense. And this all feels like real people. Or people that exist in the universe that we're creating. And I know it seems trivial that I'm focusing on this little thing. But that kid was exceptionally well cast for what he had to do in this episode. Lady says, been seeing great things about the finale. My Twitter feed is flooded. I keep saying I'm going to watch it and you will. You're going to have a fun time. I don't often say things like that because I hate over expectations. But if you've enjoyed this show up until this point, it's hard for me to imagine you're not going to have an amazing ride on this episode. Mike so tried so hard. He tried so hard to keep Varner, Jesse, and Varner with soft spots for Mike. They are. He tried so hard. Varner was a soft spot, and I see why he closed off after this and no more half measures for Mike and how much he hates himself for what happened with Walt after the fact. Oh, fucking Walt. Let's not forget how much Walt screws all of this up. He's probably going to play (laughs) Spider-Man. So, uh, so Jimmy's at the grave. He was counting down the moments and some folks are paying their respect. He's trying to show that he's at Chuck and make himself visible. There's the grave situation. And then there's another situation later that he sets up that we'll get to get into. And just to make himself around and make himself seem like he's genuinely feeling 
Chuck stuff. It's a year anniversary. He's dedicating a library. That's what it was. And it might have been one other thing as well, but whatever. Or reading the letter to the to the board was going to be the last one. So it's a long day at the grave. Kim is away. She kind of gives him some food for fuel, and he goes on his way. Then we get Lalo singing and making notes about Gus, watching how Gus does business to try to set himself up and figure out where his place in all of this is to fuck Gus over. So then we get into Mike in the into the cash wire place and you better pay. let's listen to some of Mike uh, yes. doing his best. <laughs> oh shucks, uh, kid. Uh, could you could you spare a dime? It'd be wonderful if you could. I'm uh, looking for a Werner Ziegler. Has he been in here in the last few hours? I'm, I'm sorry. Even if he was here, it's not company policy to give out customer information. Even if he just walked in, I didn't care about what he did. Well, I really can't. He is my brother-in-law, and we're very worried about him. He has early stage... And yes, I forgot to mention that when we get to that scene later, the, ki the uh, film student kids are there. I love how they keep coming back and they keep working for Saul Goodman or keep working for Jimmy. Love that. Love how real this world feels and how we keep seeing similar characters and they make sense when they come up. They have they definitely know the right times to bring up characters back that are fun one-off characters that to to find those right moments to place them in there. And that's that's the parent show too with Breaking Bad. Every appearance of of Badger and Skinny Pete was perfect. It was the perfect moment to see them. They know when to bring in the right character in the right moment, when to bring back somebody. Every moment of Huel's been awesome, uh, Cuddy too. Anytime that characters like that show up in these universes and in Breaking Bad, every time Saul Goodman showed up, it was perfect. They know how to do that, and, now th and they also know how to expand on that. Nacho's another example on the show. Every time Nacho shows up, it's some good shit happens with him. They they don't waste moments with characters, and they also don't want to burn you out on characters. The holy shit! The analysis of Thrones is in the live motherfucking chat. Just stopping by to say, hope everything's well. Great to see analysis. Good to see you, buddy. And I've been seeing you signing on in on my Switch. <laughs> Left to play some uh, play some Mario Party at some point. Now let me spin the wheel for analysis of Thrones, and hope he doesn't land on drink. <laughs> so I have to take another shot of uh Did that really it really did. It landed on Phil Drink. It absolutely did. I'm not lying. Phil Drink. I don't make that shit up. So I do have to take another shot. I'm gonna hold off for a second because I'm already like almost drunk. So one more shot, I might not be able to finish this podcast. And as much as that might be entertaining, uh, I'll feel bad about it. I'll be like, oh I don't want to finish the podcast. So, <laughs> yes, we do. So Mike heads in to talk to the cash wire place. Let's listen to more of this. Mention on top of that, he's a diabetic. He doesn't have his medicine, and my wife is beside herself. No. We talked long distance to their sister, Marguerite, back in Germany. She said Werner called, ranting and raving, wanted her to send money, and, well, she said she did to this branch. I have his insulin in a cooler out in the car, and I was hoping I would get here ahead of him. Look, yeah, he was here, but you missed him. He left about an hour ago. Oh. Oh, no. Damn. 
Just took the money and left. Yeah. Well, not right away. He made a couple calls on the payphone, picked up his money, then left. And what, just wandered off on foot? He got in a car. Um, I think one of his calls was for a cab. You see what company? It was regular taxi, car service? I didn't. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Any chance that, that... Literally, the one thing I didn't want it to end on was drink, and it landed on drink. <laughs> I might have a, a peek at your security video. See who got him? I think the show did a nice job of giving us a head fake with Kai early in the season, thinking he was going to be a problem. Varner was much more invested in him by the and we were much more invested because of the relationship with him and Mike. We've also never seen Mike have a friend or set up like that, like a friend. So I thought that was very well done, too. Excuse me. Great point, Joseph. And we're thinking about that a little bit during the season, too. They built up that Kai situation very interestingly to completely point you in an opposite direction with to deal with the Germans. Holy shit. So uh, <laughs> as I pause, as I'm freaking out about them, oh, I got to take another shot. I, I got to time this out right. <laughs> but excellent point on Kai, Joseph. Melly's like, drink, drink, drink. Analysis of Thrones. Like, I came back in perfect time to get this asshole drunk. <laughs> get this asshole drunk. But analysis, we have to touch base soon. It's been a long time, buddy. Great to see you. So uh, Mike gets, uh, oh, okay. So he eventually just gets the video with guilt. But not yet. You mind? Oh. And then he takes over. He's like, I'm, could you mind if I just uh, take over on the video? I'm going to do it. I'm going to find the right situation. He finds well, Varner. Bad. Lucky can't see the car. Yeah. Yeah, can Edward and I squat in the man cave uh, where they shop for new Germans? Can we get can we get a pizza delivery down there? Thanks for your help. Sure. Good luck. Hope you find him. As he sees Victor outside. <laughs> I think a few of us might be somewhat tipsy anyway, Phil. It doesn't matter. So Mike gets the video with guilt and he uses tactics and he steps outside to Victor knowing that Gus is there. And here is our first interaction with Gus in the evening. Gus. Can I see it? Uh, it doesn't look good. For what it's worth, I believe him. He said he'd be gone four days. He's not gone to any cops. This is about him wanting to see his wife, plain and simple. She's on a Lufthansa flight. And I love how Gus Landing is like, I'm already tracking her. Now. It doesn't matter. I'm already tracking her ass. And your men will be there. And they'll follow her from the airport to wherever he's holed up. And then... There's another way to play this. So Mike asks, let him let him get in there first. And Gus says, go ahead, do what you got to do, knowing that he ultimately is going to probably do his situation anyway. This has gone too far. There's no getting away. Once they get this guy, this guy's dead. 
So now we get Howard giving a video message to dedicate their reading room, uh, Chuck's reading room. We can yada yada through this a little bit. Oh, I forgot Lalo's watching Mike and whistling and singing. As Mike gravels grabs hey travel there. brochures to start tracking him. So Howard's giving a video message to dedicate the reading room at a school, a great memorial for a great person. <laughs> Chuck. Chuck McGill. But I'm proud to say right. Hamlin Helen McGill. Hi everybody, this is Howard McGill. I'm from the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. So, here I am today to dedicate a memorial to a great man, David St. Hubbins. Memorial for a man who was very beautiful. He's very, he's a beautiful, beautiful man. On behalf of the whole school, hey, yeah. I want to thank you. Me? I, no, I didn't donate any of this. And this is where we get the camera. Oh, wait, sorry, I got to turn down my. <laughs> I, uh, I sometimes forget, and then I talk like this for a little while. Yes. He puts the lotion in the basket. At least he gets my knuckle again. I don't know. Just a guess. Really? Dude, I'm pretty sure I heard someone say you paid for all of it. Yeah. Well, I didn't. I wish I could take credit for it, but I can't. The invitation says anonymous donor. I assume that meant HHM. Baked free? Don't mind if I do. Actually, I happen to know Mr. James McGill paid for the reading room himself. Really? The brother did this? I saw him write the check. Hi, Rich. <laughs> this is quite an event. Looks like half the attorneys in the Southwest are here. <laughs> they all came for Chuck. Hmm. I heard someone say that Jimmy paid for all this himself. He... Now, Kim is very good at her job. This is all her setup, a way of getting lawyers talking about it. Jimmy's outside brooding right now. He's, uh, he's not interacting with these people. He's sitting outside smoking a cigarette, thinking about how much money he's spending and how he can't even have any burgers because he's grieving. And uh, Kim's like, I'll go outside and talk to him. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta handle my client. Almost time to go back in. I just realized if Varner didn't spoil the father beans <laughs> as a, sorry, I combined two comments there. Uh, if Varner didn't spill the beans to Lalo, he wouldn't have had to die. Probably not. I mean. I think Gus was close there anyway, but I think Mike could have had a better discussion if that didn't, that was the final straw. I mean, he didn't say anything, but he still did that and still opened him up for an easy execution. Uh, Lindsay, I tend to agree with you, but he might have been fucked either way. Isn't it, isn't it ironic that Mike begged for Varner's life and then he begged Gus to kill Walt? Mike got very hard in his last years. He really did. He learned, he learned things the hard way. Jeffrey Townsend says, good to see how we're doing better. How does he figure into the story going forward? Jimmy still has millions coming his way from him. It's going to be interesting. I, I don't see the show completely abandoning Howard. They, the creators like working with him. He's very invested in the show personally. So I don't... I see Howard doing lots of cocaine. I, I, I just... Uh, I don't see how Howard... I don't see how he perfectly fits, but I also don't expect them to completely abandon Howard. He was going to show up two or three times next season as well. Somehow they'll find a way. 
a nice Keontae. Mike generally liked Varna. Walt, he saw as a loose cannon. He never liked Walt. <laughs> he liked Jesse. He generally, I think he generally liked Jesse. He saw Jesse as a good soul. I don't think he ever liked or trusted Walt. He saw Walt as danger that Gus should never have gotten involved with. So Howard is giving the video message and blah, 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 blah. Kim comes out and says, Jimmy, get inside, asshole. And Jimmy's just like, I wrote a $23,000. Yeah, $23,000. I can't believe I wrote a $23,000 check me. for this. You know? I don't even see anyone from the Bar Association in there. We still have almost a week. Someone on the board will hear about this. I don't know. I want some father bar. <laughs> Yeah, I know word gets around, but <laughs> Howard's gonna be the new Captain America. So he's like, "Fuck, he can't refuse." And then, and then Jimmy, this is a real. This is this is just a funny moment. It's sort of like off. Jimmy just goes, "Yeah, why why don't I just uh, blackmail blackmail a judge? What's he what's he talking about? A judge? He wants to set a fi no set fire to a judge's house and save a judge from a fire." And that's going to be easier than having to deal with uh, listening to people talk good about Chuck. I love how Jimmy's brain goes there. It's not for size. Judge Papadumi in his inner chambers. Listen, listen to that. She's working late. Everyone else has gone home. Suddenly she smells something. Something burning. She crosses to her door. It's warm to the touch. She opens it. Wall of flames. Her clerk's chamber's on fire. And she's trapped. But then, through the fire and smoke, a figure emerges. It's Jimmy McGill. See, I rescue a judge. Now that people are going to talk about. And hilarious. Fucking hilarious. And Kim, the way Kim just sort of whatevers him. I've been whatevered in this way so many times by so many uh, people people and significant others in my life whatever whatever dude uh i think howard is oblivious to his own dickery i do too and i think in a sense that's a good question dj or to frame it in the form of a question if you know someone is themselves and they're kind of a dick whatever but they're generally a good person they just like do dickery kind of things I feel like you can work around that and accept them for who they are and just be like, okay, this person's a dick, but they're actually a pretty good person and they're still a dick. I think being a bad person has nothing to do with being a pompous dick and coming off that way. And I think Howard generally is a good person, but he is a dick cheese. He's the de definition description of dick cheese. <laughs> Whatever, Phil. I... That would be so sincere. What about a sandpiper? My very true, very fucking true. So then we see Mike finds where he's staying, and he's also being tailed by Lalo. And we get into this cool little interaction in the parking garage where Mike does his MacGyver tricks, and he gets a ticket, and then he gets some gum, and he chews some gum, and we get to see Mike chewing a lot of gum. Oh, he's chewing gum. You you, you don't think you've ever seen Mike chew some gum? He's chewing some fucking gum, dude. This dude's chewing fucking gum. Let's listen to some chewing gum music. You don't know if he's on the property at the moment. No, no, I, I don't need to talk to him right now. No, no message. No, thank you. You have a nice day. But what about the sandpiper money? The sandpiper money is coming eventually. It's just going to take a while. 
it could explain why Saul Goodman has so many billboards around in the Breaking Bad timeline before he even makes money. He allows him to get his clientele by putting up using that Sandpiper money to fund the advertising campaign of the Saul Goodman camp situation. Okay, yeah, so there's some music. And it's it goes back and forth like that. And l- let me read a little bit of this shit. Yeah, might as well might as well read some of this shit. Where is the mute? Give me some give me a music here, okay? Give me can you give me a a song? I don't know, Phil. I can't give you a fucking song. I don't have I'm not ready for you. Why do you there you are. Let's get some porn music. <laughs> So Mike finds himself where he's staying. He also, he goes into the parking garage. He gets a ticket. Lalo's like, hmm, what's he going to do? He falls in. He gets the ticket and he parks. Then Mike's chewing some gum. Yo, he's chewing the gum. He's chewing more pieces and more pieces as Lalo waits. Mike makes a card-shaped thing with the gum and the foil. So then some other dude backs out. As Mike backs out, he waits for the right opportunity. And he puts a car in between the two of them. Then Lalo tries to come come after him, but there is a car in between them. And Mike opens the gate, and he sticks the gum in the card. Oh, yeah, he sticks that gum in there card. The gum card in there. And then we follow the gum card in. Oh, yeah. It expands. Lalo's like, get me the fuck out of here. Mike's like, I knew that shit would work because I worked at a place like this. Yeah, MacGyver Mike. And then Lalo pushes that poor dude. Jeffrey says, Jimmy Saul still has at least two marriages to go. How uh, how about, how can next season be the last? I think he was lying about that. I don't think he ever had a wife, personally. I still wanted Mike to kill Lalo dead, dead, double D dead. Lalo pushed that. I literally applauded at that scene. Mike's gum is a stroke of fucking genius. And what's cool about all that shit like that is... Peter Gould and Vince Gilligan are big Mythbuster guys. They both, I think Vince Gilligan's actually been on episodes of Mythbusters doing Breaking Bad things. They fully admit when shit doesn't work and shit does work. Last week where Varner used a laser to kind of interrupt the signal of the video, that would only have worked if it was like non-digital screens or something. It would have worked, but it would have had to be like a perfect scenario. And they talked about that in the Better Call Saul Insiders podcast. So again, good excuses to listen to that podcast where they talk about weird shit that they do and whether it would really work. And usually... Most of the stuff they would do would really work. They like to not do shit that wouldn't, even if it's one out of every thousand times it would work. It would work. They like to actually do things that could really, really be done. So uh, I I buy that this could work. We need justice for that poor douche who got rear-ended near the end and spilled his Slurpee everywhere. (laughs) Wow, this is so sexual. Oh, yeah, it is. So Mike's chewing and touching. In touching, in chewing, in chewing, in the touching, in the touching, in the chewing. Oh, Mike, what are you doing? He's chewing, he's touching, and he's chewing. Oh, Mike, baby, what are you doing? He's making a car, doing it right. Gonna push the girl, touch it inside, stick it in the machine, spread it tight. It's gonna expand inside her. Yes, that machine is a girl. Ooh, baby, baby. Mike's the badass on the motherfucking tip. Don't mess with Mike's shit. He'll go Columbo. Oh, shucks, baby. 
or he'll go MacGyver. I'm sorry. I already had one shot. I have one shot waiting for me right here from Analysis of Thrones. Is <laughs> Analysis of Thrones is. Analysis of Thrones. <laughs> Super chat donation. <laughs> no, I'm just getting ridiculous. Touch me in the middle. Touch me in the street. Mike is the baby gonna get the feet. <laughs> Mr. Boombastic. <laughs> Fucking fantastic. <laughs> I am, I am absolutely sorry. It's the season finale. I am very excited. I am also very sad and extra silly because I can't believe we have to wait probably about a year for more Better Call Saul. Oh, my goodness. Porn-ish porn music. The freestyle. Brown chicken, brown cow. Stick it in the cloud. Ow. I'm just freestyling. Things are coming off the top. Actually. Love you guys. Thank you. Okay, so <laughs> Anyways uh, Some other dude backs up and uh, Mike kicks some ass. So we go off to Jibibibi We go off to Jibibibi To Jimmy in Chuck's room. I, again, that was me trying to say Chuck and Jimmy at the same time where I said Chimimi <laughs> Okay, enough of that. We're going to be playing a live show pretty soon on the channel at some point with a new band. I'm very excited. I've been playing a lot of music lately, so I'm like eagerly anticipating playing some live shows with my new band, Sarcasmo, dude. So uh, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. But we'll talk about that at a later date. <laughs> but my, uh, my it's we're two-piece. I play drums and sing. And the other guy plays guitar and sings as well a little bit so it should be fun or vocalizes we shouldn't say sing that, that's that's a that's an overstatement <laughs> okay so let's continue jimmy's in chuck's room with the painting and this episode's a lot about chuck and chuck's shadow it's the interview process for kids for the scholarship and this is where we get our little clever editing of the series finale i'm glad that they didn't necessarily feel like they had to this is another thing okay and I was just going to say, they don't feel like they have to do the same montage over and over again. And watch this season again on a rewatch. There's a lot of montages. Each one of them is very different. It's very different how they're edited together. It's very different how they're contextually associated to what's going on in the scene. Some of them are fun with Kim and some Kim stuff doing, some stuff Jimmy's doing. This one was very awesome i love the way they did this where people are cutting off we never get to hear what the kids say because it doesn't really matter uh because they already know who they're gonna pick it's very cool i love it i love the i love this scene i love this this little montage it's amazing to me how they keep making these montages interesting duncan have a seat it's a little bit fly the concords like i'm definitely inspired we're definitely inspired by Fly the Concords. It's a little bit more rock, uh, jammy rock music stuff because it's uh, it's a little different like that. I'd say some of the some of the subject matter of the songs uh, could be humorous at times, but it's a little bit more uh, 
how do I say this? A little bit more jam oriented than the Fly the Concords, which are more lyric heavy. I would I would compare it probably more with Tenacious D with drums, even though Tenacious D does tour with drums or that kind of context rather than uh, Fly the Concords. But there is definitely those elements of it as well. <clears throat> so yes, we do need we need a montage. Motherfucking mom. Duncan's editor of the school newspaper and his model UN delegation represents Kazakhstan. In fact, we don't necessarily sound like this band, but the setup is similar to like the White Stripes with just drums and a guitar. But neither one of us sound like Jack White and the music doesn't sound like White Stripes, but it's kind of the setup, but uh, the two a two-piece kind of situation. But whatever. <laughs> it's going to be fun. I actually could play some music right now, but no one wants to hear that shit. Duncan's delegation was selected to visit the real UN and now in New York City. Duncan, what can you tell us about that? Oh, it was. This is Marcy Ramirez. She's from Moriarty High. Please. She's captain of the debate team. What's your strategy going to be, Marcy? I think it'll. This is Franklin Pickett. He's from Manzano High. Please have a seat. Franklin is school president, and he wrote a play. Franklin. What can you tell us about your play? It's Theodora. How did you get interested in Ethiopia? Well... Christy, what's it like working with elders? It was... Raymond, how'd you manage that? I've... All right. Things are becoming much clearer now. Okay. So uh, that shot went right to my head, but... We see this cool little montage that I actually very much enjoy. So they basically come to a vote. They decide who they want to pick. But Jimmy, one person stood out to Jimmy and Jimmy makes a plea. I think it's interesting here that Jimmy actually makes a case. I think this is a genu genuine moment for Jimmy here as he sees someone that points out that symbolizes himself in the situation and also the speech that happens at the end. So let's listen to a little bit of this clearer now oh oh hi unless there's any additional questions oh, did they all get the yes they did great thank them well i don't have to hear listen to jimmy but jimmy makes a case i think the more important thing is she doesn't get it they revote. jimmy makes an a really good plea to to vote for this one girl and no one changes their votes and Jimmy runs outside angry and he yells at the girl and he kind of transfers a lot of his feeling about never being accepted by Chuck and never being accepted in these lawyer circles at HHM onto this girl that is a little bit of a con girl. And who knows what what kind of setup, what kind of direction he pushes this 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 girl that's on the level of putting her life together maybe not even a con person maybe someone in recovery for uh, being a bullshit artist and trying to put her shit together but i don't think so i think this girl knew what he was saying and this is going to enhance her to be to be even better at what she's trying to do or burnout whichever oh hi hi you didn't get it you were never gonna get it. They... <laughs> I am. That that shot's gonna go right to my head. I'm glad. I, this it serves me right for not opening beer because the last couple of times on super chat donations, I've been drinking beer for drinks. 
but I didn't I didn't open one. I didn't go to one, so I'm I'm doing shots tonight. So uh, so thank goodness for our super chat donors to make me a little ridiculosity tonight, and thank goodness uh, I no more shots. <laughs> Done. Even if we do get another super chat donation, there's no way that wheel's landing on drink again. There's no way that's happening. Two. It's two for two. It's not happening three times. Dangle these things in front of you. They tell you you got a chance, but I'm sorry, it's a lie because they had already made up their mind and they knew what they were gonna do before you walked in the door. <laughs> you. I absolutely thought this girl was gonna break bad right in the moment. I too. I too thought something fucked up was gonna happen. Jimmy's shitty Obi Wan. This girl's never gonna be a Jedi now. In fairness, uh, look what happened to Obi Wan's little Jedi there. It's not like Anakin became a fucking hero. <laughs> Obi Wan was a pretty shitty, uh, shitty, shitty master as well. I mean, maybe if Anakin had Qui Gon, it would have been a better situation. Stake and. They are never forgetting it. As far as they're concerned, your mistake is just, it's who you are. And it's all you are. And I'm not just talking about the scholarship here. I'm talking about everything. I mean, they'll smile at you, they'll pat you on the head, but they are never, ever letting you in. But listen, listen, it doesn't matter. Bob Odenkirk plays this bitter extremely well not a lot of characters often call for this but the Saul Goodman definitely calls for it in a lot of ways and I love I fucking love what he brings to this character in the the that bitter level that he has oh thank you Ed who just shared the Star Trek Discovery first look trailer with me to be able to uh, see the Klingons with hair again does it because you don't need them I mean, they're not going to give it to you? So what? You're going to take it. You're going to do whatever it takes. Do you hear Joseph, I love you. I love you for that Super Chat donation, but I also know it's it's you and a gamble here. You're get, you're gambling on drink here. So I'm going to wait to spin the wheel because I'm eating a sandwich, but when I'm done with the sandwich, I will spin your fucking wheel. Joseph, thank you so much for the Super Chat donation. I am thrown in the live motherfucking chat right now. You are you guys are so amazing, Edward. Thank you for that message. I will remember to watch that. And I'm I'm excited for Discovery and also excited for Picard whenever that ends up coming. I when I get into the new area after November November twenty ninth is the moving day. Once I get settled in the new studio, I'm gonna have a couch in the same room that the television studio is. And I and I'm Joe and I are gonna start working on a Star Trek rewatch and also bringing my cousin Gotti in who was on the Breaking Bad podcast originally. And I kinda wish Gotti watched Better Call Saul because it would be nice to have him. I'm gonna try to get on his ass to watch it and catch up and be on the final season because I think he would enjoy these last few seasons. And if anyone has followed the channel since the very beginning uh, you remember Gotti was our original co-host even before Joe. So uh, it would be great to get him back on talking about the Better Call Saul Breaking Bad universe. Anyways, so let's continue here a little bit. I still need to do spin the wheel one more time. Everyone's like, Let Bernie wants to see me die. She's She says, land on drink, land on drink. And put your fucking sandwich out, asshole, and spin the wheel. Let's get to the game. Let's get to the game here. Okay. Okay, here we go. It's on drink. You can see where you, everyone can see, so so we're no fucking up here. I want to see Phil as drunk as Jimmy in the opening scene. Holy shit. You guys are fucking evil. Let's spin the wheel! Yeah! Okay. Big money, no whammies, no whammies. Get ready to stop here. 
So let me let me ignore it for a second. So Jimmy comes after the girl, and let's continue here. You are not going to play by the rules. You're going to go your own way. You're going to do what they won't do. You're going to be smart. You are going to cut corners. Joseph, to, my, to everyone's ch chagrin, maybe except for yours, you land on a review commentary cast of your choice. So you can message me privately at igotissuesman at gmail.com or any of the other ways you can find me. But, but that's probably the best way. Email me at igotissuesman at gmail.com. Let me know a movie or an episode of a television show you may want a review of. Congratulations, you have won. You have won the golden ticket. So you can get me to review anything. Coming up soon, I'll be reviewing Half-Baked and also Child's Play due to uh, some amazing Super Chat donations landing on that spot. So you as well get to pick something for me to review and uh, yes, so email me privately about that. Think about it for a bit. Again, you can find the email in the description box below. Message me when you get a chance and you figure out what you want me to review. Either like a single episode or something or someone had told me to watch a season, but that, that gets a little bit more difficult and takes a lot of time. But if there's any you know single episode or movie or something kind of one-offs that you can request, definitely do that and we'll do it. So yeah, think of something good. So I'm gonna let's do another spin. Looks like the pr it does look like the price is right. <laughs> no whammies. I want to get a plinko board too. That's uh that's that's goals for the new studio. I want to get a uh, plinko board downstairs. <laughs> okay, way to uh, let's hope that Joe gets as toasted as I am. I I'm pretty messed up here too. So 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 let's continue here. And I and I'm not done by any way, shape, or form. So uh, we got a long way to go in this episode. So if you're still tuning in, thank you so much for checking out this far in the podcast or this far in the live stream, whenever you're either way, whatever you're checking this out. I do appreciate it. And you guys have been awesome this season of Better Call Saul. It's a fun show to talk about. And I know we are a very unique kind of crew of people that come together to watch this show. And I love the audience of the show and I love the people that are into this and uh, it's almost, like I said earlier, it's a great kept secret. It's one of the best kept secrets on television. And we're on the fucking inside, so fuck all those other people that don't dig this show. I don't even want, you know, the people that I don't fucking like, good, don't like this fucking show. We know it's awesome, and it's fucking amazing. I don't care, I'm kissing this show's ass. It's time. It's it's the night to do it. It's going to be a long time before we talk about this. This is, this and Game of Thrones are my two favorite shows on television. It's it's not even a question. I, lo I love this show better than Westworld, better than Daredevil, which I really love a lot, too. I love the first the two seasons of Daredevil. It, this is my... This and Game of Thrones are my two favorite shows on television. I think these two shows... Even Game of Thrones, as much as people can complain and nitpick some of the last couple of seasons, I think this and Game of Thrones are the two, two best shows on television. But whatever. That's a different discussion for a different day. So let me continue. I'm in bed, but I'm listening. That sounds very, very uh, awesome. <laughs> so, sorry, Bernie. Bernie set me off. I'm not. I'm apologizing to you. Sorry, I got confused there because I'm drunk. <laughs> I'm sorry, DJ. Bernie set me into a dirty direction. It's Bernie's fault. <laughs> Bernie makes this podcast dirty. <laughs> That's fine, though. That's fine. <laughs> so let's continue. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I'm just blaming somebody else for my uh, for my obvious, because <laughs> that's what I do for my obvious dirty tendencies. So we go over to Jimmy, who 
what does Jimmy want to do? Well, I'm lost. Oh, yeah, Jimmy's still telling this sh t talk, talking shit to this girl. You are going to win. It's hilarious. They're on the 35th floor. You're going to be on the 50th floor. You're going to be <laughs> Good, Bernie. Take the blame. Gladly. And I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to give that blame to you. I'm going to give it. I'm giving it to you. I'm giving the blame to you. Down on that. I got to stop. And the higher you rise, the more they're going to hate you. Good. Good. You rub their noses in it. You make them suffer. You don't matter all that much to them. So what? So what? Screw them. Remember, the winner takes it all. The winner takes it all. You understand what I'm trying to tell you, right? Oh, I'm kidding. I'm just being silly. Yes. I think I do. Yes, Aaron Paul. Aaron Paul is going to be a main character on next season of Westworld. I'm very excited about that. So Jimmy basically really lets a lot out on this girl. It's too bad. <laughs> oh. oh my goodness. Okay, so let me continue here. So his car doesn't start, and this is a real emotional moment. When Jimmy starts crying here, crying is similar to laughter in a television show or movie. Either I'm going to think it's silly or I'm going to start doing what the person is doing in the moment. And Jimmy's crying. If anyone wants to hear what I'm like crying when I'm like really losing my shit, it's very similar to this. Very similar. Yes, you can hear my kids. Well, he starts the car. He tries to Marty McFly the shit. It doesn't start. He's pissed. And then it's just too much. And it's because he's being forced to face the situation. And as much as the healthy way to deal with things sometimes is to go to therapy and talk about your problems. Sometimes when I go to therapy and I'm sitting there and I'm going through talking about shit that I went through in my life. And I'm not going to get this isn't my opportunity to sit down and tell you guys about my tales of woe about my about my childhood and all that sort of shit. But ultimately, like when I'm talking about that shit, there's some moments where I'm like, I don't even want to deal with this shit because it just makes me pissed. Can I just talk about silly things like like Batman and Game of Thrones and shit? And, I, and I'll start talking about Batman and Game of Thrones in the middle of my session because I don't want to talk about this fucking bullshit. Jimmy has not wanted to talk about Chuck. He's avoided it for a year. Having to hear Chuck constantly for a couple of days now, it builds up. It, it breaks you down. And he doesn't want to feel like this. This helps make him who he is because he knows. He hears this. I can't go there. I don't even want to become a lawyer and have to deal with this and know that it's always because of dealing with Chuck. So ultimately, this is all about the decision he makes. Everything that we see in this fucking show makes sense to where the conclusion of the episodes are. I'm very drunk, but I'm still very accurate in what I'm trying to say. They do an exceptional job of checks and balances of what of meaning and conclusion. And this is a great example of it. <laughs> As Jimmy breaks down from having to deal with too much Chuck talk because he actually has to feel human for a second. 
which allows him to realize that he can use those emotions for for evil. <laughs> a song of woe and fire. Good night, Edward. Thank you so much for checking out the podcast. And everyone, we know everyone can't stay here all evening. So if anyone does check out, we definitely appreciate you guys checking out this season of Better Call Saul. You guys have made this an awesome time for me. Even your ninja, the ninjas in the back that don't necessarily jump in the chat or the people that listen to the audio cast. You guys are amazing. And as always, thank you. And we'll be back next season to talk more Better Call Saul. And I'll also be back this week with Joe, probably on Thursday morning or Friday morning, early. I'm talking about like 9 in the morning, 8 in the morning, to talk with Joe with a what did Joe think about this finale and also the Walking Dead season premiere. No. Yeah, I'm so lucky that last Super Chat donation did not land on drink. One more drink and I would be done. <laughs> Someone that doesn't like my shows watching right now and hating on me either. Like, I'm disliking this video and I'm going to fucking donate on Super Chat to get this asshole drunk. <laughs> so he shuts up and finally stops talking. Is this really one person that's been talking for two hours straight? Yes, this is one person that's been talking for two hours straight. I don't give a fuck. I don't have a co-host right now. So I can just talk. Blah, 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 blah. Deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> um, Phil, what are you talking about? Stop it, fake co-host. I don't know if I'm a fake co-host. No, you are because I don't want to keep doing that voice because it kind of sucks. Okay, Phil, I say fuck you. Okay, you go, go, you go, bye bye. Okay, I go bye bye. You go bye bye. Okay, so let's continue here. We get this fast editing on the kid's face. Winner takes it all. It's really good stuff. So then his car doesn't start. He cries. Really emotional, awesome stuff. Then we get Lalo going to the cash place with the clerk. And Lalo eventually does the Spider-Man stuff. So let's do some of this. Because I find Lalo very interesting. And a very good character. And I think going to be a big character in the next season. Uh, my friend was here earlier. Um, bald fella. About so tall. Yeah. Did, uh, did this is the Phil Monologues, Volume 3, Something Chapter 6. When I look down, all I see is space. Every grain of every atom is there. It bites me in the eye when it sticks me in my cry. But I try to express my own humanity and my own indignity of the cosmic energy. Of bullshit. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, so then we get Lalo. Let's listen to more Lalo. His brother-in-law, is he okay? No, no. No, we haven't found him yet. We're really worried. Sorry to hear about that. Yeah. So, I was wondering if there's maybe something that, you know, my friend missed. I showed him everything I've got. Show me what you showed him. Give me everything you got. Give me all you got, you motherfucker. Melly, you're amazing. And you got this started by getting me drunk early with the fucking Super Chat donation. So, Melly, lots of love to Melly Mel. Or Melly McGill. I keep wanting to say Melly Mel, but Melly McGill. Maybe you should just call your friend. I did. And, you know, he told me to come back and take another look. I, 
I'd really appreciate it. I can't. I'm sorry. You better just call the police. Sure. sure. And I forgot to mention because I'm all over the place tonight. Mike came back in at some point in time. And this guy's this guy's not an idiot. He's starting to figure out what's going on to a certain extent or figuring out that there's something amiss here. And he is safely behind this bulletproof glass, it seems. So uh, so he's perfectly fine. But Lalu, poor Fred. His name is Fred. So Lalu jumps up in the, excuse me, in the ceiling rafters like Spider-Man. And I said, someone said this earlier in the chat, might have been Corey Mitchell. Excuse me. But it, he does totally do the Spider-Man thing. Jumps in the rafters, climbs around, and jumps out, and he sees Mike and figures out everything, and figures out where Varner is as well. So let me go to Varner at the pool figuring it out, or not figuring it out, Lalu figured it out. Then we go to Varner at the pool just relaxing, and he gets a phone call, and it's Lalu, and Lalo, and Lalu... There's a call for you. Has some questions for Varner. I, 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 I will be right there. Thank you. And Varner, who's a drunk idiot and already been established because we saw the scene when they got a night out, Varner likes to talk. He likes to just babble. He's like me. He could just tell you. I could tell you my whole life right now. I'm fighting back the urge to tell you some weird, sadistic, little, evil, dirty secrets in my life right now. I just want to tell you everything. I do. I want to turn this whole podcast into just my issues. And me babbling about everything. Yeah, I want to do that. Come on in. Come on in. Yeah, yeah. Come to my party. I'm like Varner. To show him my letter, I explained everything. Uh, no. I'm drunk too, Melly. I'm just glad. I'm I'm glad I'm, you know, I'm glad that that wheel is a uh, fair game here. And again, I said last time, if I happen to get another super chat donation, I'm glad that it's a at least a chance it's not gonna land on drink. Asked me to speak with you. Do you remember what your instructions were? Certainly. They are to finish clearing. Oh, cool. I'm going to call you Melly Mel. Again, the south wall. That's the south wall? The south wall? Yes. The concrete is standing by. They can stop. Dude, clearing. stop talking on the phone. Are you a dumbass? You're digging your own grave. What the fuck? The I just want to say. I didn't get that last part. Could you repeat that? Werner? I just want to say this. Varner? Varner? Fuck up, Varner. Did anyone think? Yes, I did. Jeffrey Townsend. I absolutely thought it was Don Alario's place at first when they first flashed over there. My first, I even started to write that on the in my notes, but nope. I thought that La Lalo was calling him. <laughs> Thank you, Joseph. You're fucking, you're amazing. And just for uh, some people, some people disagree with you. These guys disagree with you. They're like, hey, hey, stop it, stop it. Eventually, I need to get a better system with it, but this works. <laughs> It is well past my bedtime, Miss Empress. Wonderful, wonderful folk that I got to meet in person. And I'm so glad I got to hang out with you a little bit at the Con of Thrones. Amazing cosplayer and very good folk. 
in the live motherfucking chat right now. It's kind of okay. Left understood, but ta- but uh, talking in strike three. I am fucking drunk too. Again, this almost meant they almost mentioned the show's name. Better call the police. So Varner's at the pool. Let's listen to more of. Var- then Lalo is like, keep telling me your secrets. Mike sneaks up on him, and then Lalo and Mike get on the phone together. And I love this dude. This dude's great. Couple of episodes, he's already one of my favorite characters of the show. Michael. Is this Michael. you? Is that you? Is that you? Hey, Michael. I'm so sorry if Get I'm... dressed. You're Michael. I don't want to hear another damn word out of you. Dead. Go. Am I stupid or how did Lalo know to ask Warner Varner about the site? I think if you rewatch the scene, again I have to rewatch it, I could probably play it. I actually could play it. There's a call for you. Listen to oh. I think he ultimately sets sets him up to say everything. Lalo just is an opportunistic guy. He knows what to not say and what to say. This is very good manipulation tactic. You don't say anything. You just let people talk and then you react to what they're saying and don't act surprised. Don't be like, what are you talking about? You just actually act like you know what they're talking about and let them spin a yarn. And Varner is a talker and Lalu got lucky. I've definitely been in this situation to a lesser extent where you fall into someone that's just a talker and they just tell you everything that you need to know. More information than you would want. Yeah, I, I, I will be right there. Thank you. Evening. Bist du schon gelandet? Is this Werner? Yes. Who is this? I'm calling on behalf of Gustavo Fring. Ah, yes. I see. Is Mr. Fring very upset? So again, he says, I'm here for Gus, which is which is information he knows, and he's very upset. What do you think? Please let him know the work will continue. Did Michael show him my letter? I explained everything. The work will continue, so that already gave him enough inf- information to mention a site. So even if he mentions a site later, work will continue. Work site? Okay, that's enough. Uh, no. Michael hasn't shared that with Mr. Fring. The letter has specific instructions. My- it, it's so awesome to have you as a new guy. It's great to have all you guys joining us, and especially new folks. Welcome to the very first time to the show. You get a little drum solo. Welcome to the motherfucking chat. Welcome to the motherfucking chat. I love new motherfuckers in the chat. Join us some for other shows. But if you just want to join us for Better Call Saul, we'll be back next season, motherfucker. So make sure you subscribe anyway, yeah, motherfucker. Okay, sorry. Sorry, it was a subpar drum solo. It's late. <laughs> but no, welcome. Thank you so much for checking this out. Checking out this silliness. So let's continue.
will be able to continue a few days without me. The work will go on. Ask Michael. Michael. Michael's very busy, and he asked me to speak with you. Do you remember what your instructions were? Certainly. They are to finish clearing the debris, then begin the south wall. So, so already he's given him enough information, and Lalo hasn't said shit. Varner, you're working in weird situations. It's tough for me to believe that this guy is this stupid, but I, they've already established that he is when he was talking at the bar. So this is... A dynamic of him the way he's created friendships with Mike in a business situation he's crossing all sorts of lines it leads me to believe he doesn't really understand the gravity of the situation he's in and it doesn't even right up to the point where he's about to die he doesn't understand the gravity of the situation it's believable but it's very sad that's the south wall the south wall yes the concrete is standing by they can stop pouring it's very straightforward to Great to see from in the live chat. We're not. The concrete form. Sorry, I didn't get that last part. Could you repeat that? Werner? 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 So Saul is back home and Kim is on full planning on Jimmy, the more genuine person situation. So he's like, let's play a little bit of it. Or is it this one? Something here. Take a look. The problem might have been starting with remorse, so I'm trying to work into it more gradually. Uh, the law plan. Varner does have a Jesse-like big mouth. Even even more. Jesse knew when to keep his mouth shut about certain things. Var he got emotional. Varner's just a talker. Remorse, then brother, then legacy. From good to see you, Frumius. Thanks. Everything okay? Yeah. Go. He's been, he's not done, but he ultimately decides that he's going to use the letter that Chuck wrote as his statement. So we go off to Mike and Varner in the desert, and this is where things get emotionally hard to watch at times. Mike calls Gus and ultimately pleads for his life one last time. Yes. I got him. Where are you now? I'll buy an old raceway off 55. About eight miles north of San Ysidro. And where was he? A place called Dulce Vega Hot Springs up in Yemez. It's got to be where his wife is headed. Something else. Yeah. And ultimately, the look you get on Gus's face in this scene leads you to believe that Gus might have let him go, not being killed if this information didn't come out. Because Gus is like, okay, you got him, okay, 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 okay. Let's get back to work. We'll kill him later. But <laughs> conveniently, he left all of his work plans, so we don't really need him. <laughs> but this extra little added feature. When I found him, he was on the phone with an interested party pretending to be one of your guys. What did he tell them? Nothing useful. You're certain? Yes. You have any idea who it was? I do. All right, I'll bring him in now. No. Keep him there. Wait. I'd go another way. 
I cried when Mike had to dust Varner, but the cinematic was fucking beautiful. It was so visually awesome with the shot from the, the wide angle shot. It was so cinematic. Something I would have wanted to see in a movie theater. It was so visually well done. And I think that's a credit to both shows in the way they design these shots. It's something that by the end of a season you're accustomed to, and then when you watch other shows, you realize how much better they are at doing it. And the visuals that they get are... I, I Just from that standpoint, it's like watching high-end Coen Brothers films with just the, the large landscape shots. And this whole scene was just extremely well shot, well acted, and believable. Varner, the way his mind got wrapped around this, his denial of it for so long. Mike pleading with Gus here, but not pleading, but knowing that he doesn't really have a leg to stand on because of how far Varner pushed him. How pissed Mike is at Varner. And then ultimately how Varner takes Mike off takes Mike off the hook here and makes it a, a little easier for him by saying, Okay, fine. I realized I fucked up. You, you're saving my wife. I trust you. I'm walking off. I, I'll go. I'll go look at the constellations. They look really cool here. That I know. It was Godfather-like. It was very much like Fredo's death. Spoiler alert. Sorry. Let it be a mistake. This discussion serves no purpose. And of mice and men. I actually wrote advice of mice and men. Tell me about the rabbits. Uh, George, tell me about the rabbits. Wait where you are. So Mike says, I go in a different direction. He tries to, he tries to fight for Varner. I'll take care of it. Are you sure? Yes. Your transformation to the dark side is complete. <laughs> so then Varner thinks, I done fucked up, but you know, everything's going to be okay. Can I go see? I want to know what Varner actually thinks he can go see his wife. And game was, what did you think was going to happen? I thought I would come back and my friend Michael would be very, very angry. But in time, he would understand and forgive. It was never up to me. Oh, Michael, look, I know I've made trouble for you. And I'm very sorry for the damage I caused. I will repair what I broke with my own hands. But please, Margarita will land any minute. Soon she will be at the motel. Please, take me back there. Let us be together for a little, huh? Let her see me and know everything is okay. Mike, like, put George, his own dog, down. Yeah, totally of mice and men. Look at the uh, stars, Varda. Look at the stars. Look at the, uh, and I hate to go to The Walking Dead, too. Uh, look at the, look at the when uh, Carol has to take care of that little situation with the kids. And there's a lot of shows that have done things like this. This was very well done. And I love how Varner, again, I want to play all of this because it's very, it's just very, I'm just going to sit back and listen to a little bit of this, a little bit more of this, because I think we all deserve to listen to this again. Uh, please, Michael, I go back now. I go back in the morning. What difference can I make? 
Great acting by both guys. Too. It's not gonna happen. Let me speak to Mr. Frank. It's not gonna happen. I will explain everything. I will make him understand. You're not gonna talk to Frank. Oh, please, I know. If Werner, nothing you can say or do will make anyone trust you again. That's the moment. Right there in that moment, his face changes. He starts to realize shit. And then he turns into, just let me go home. Let me get the hell out of here. Please, please just let me get the hell out of here. The whole tune changes. I'm gonna go home. I love how there's no music here too. I think some shows benefit from music filling in the gaps. Better Call Saul, Breaking Bad, they know when to cut out the music completely. And this is an excellent moment for no nothing but the sounds of these two people interacting. I'll never breathe the word of this ever. Can I speak to Gus? This reminds me a lot of The Godfather too, with uh, so so many so many so many different shows or movies. This kind of reminds you of. And I think when something's great, whether it's a song or a television moment or a movie moment, it's something being familiar without it being copying or being cloying as a, d a different way of saying it or, or something being too reminiscent of something else. It's just having, giving you a similar feeling because everything's been done. It's, it's not about creating something new. It's about finding new ways of approaching similar emotional moments. I'm not saying people should never try to create something new, but it's, you should just try to create something great. And if something new comes from that, that should be natural. You should be like, I got to do something new. No, do something good. <laughs> the money. I give all of it back. I will tell no one I swear. It will be as if. The money he's going to, he goes to the money. Now it's the bargaining stage. None of this ever happened. Please, Michael, you know, I will keep silent. You know it, please. Does your wife have a cell phone with her? And then Mike just turns to now, no, you're dead. We got to worry about your wife and Varner calls his wife. Liebster? Hello. Yeah, do uh, you? I can't even listen to this conversation because I'm going to start fucking losing it. He basically has to nightmare her. He, she's just like, no, no, fuck you. I'm, I'm coming to see you. And he's like, he just yells at her and tells her she has to go back to the airport. So Mike asks, will she do it? Will she really go back to the airport? She was very angry, but yes, she will go. He does. Jeffrey, that's exactly what I was thinking. He turns into start. He starts bargaining like Tessio. Can you let Jordy? Jordy jumped in too. Can you, Tom? Can you let me off the hook one more time? One time for uh, for, for for old time's sake, you know, just let me off the hook. No, Sal. No, Sal. <laughs> Is it Eddie Murphy that has a stand-up bit about that? Like, where they he just goes cold. He goes like Godfather cold. Were you worried he might spill in German something to his wife or say something? But it might. We've established that he's taught Mike German, too. 
I think you can tell that Mike's anger toward directed towards Varner was more out of being put in that situation, having to kill someone he has sympathy for. Excellent point, Lindsay. I agree. And I think most of that is directed not towards Gus because he understands Gus's standpoint in this, that Varner has given him no choice. He has no argument to Gus. He can't argue with him about that. He's pissed at Varner for putting him in this situation that he has no choice but to kill him. Excellent point, Lindsay. Michael, if she doesn't hear a word from me, she will ask questions. She will go to the police. There'll be a story, an accident. Lawyers will visit, German lawyers. Her questions will be answered. Did you swear? We've already had this planned out just in case we need to kill you. So don't worry. We have a plan. Yes, I swear. And my men? They're going home. They'll be okay. They're trusted. Unlike you, asshole. Is there no other way, truly? Do we believe that Varner's wife is allowed to live? I think if Mike has any say in it, yes. I think Mike will fight for that, especially if she goes back to Germany. If she just gets back in the airport and goes back to Germany and never seen from again, I think I think she's allowed to live. I think I don't think Gus would go out of his way to kill the wife that didn't really know anything. I think if she starts asking too many questions and stayed in the U.S., then you might have a problem. Oh, poor Frankie Pantangelis. Just, uh, just take a bath, Frankie. So then he... There are so many stars visible in New Mexico. He starts to... He finally acceptance. And he makes tries to make it as easy for Mike as possible because he knows he done fucked up. I will walk out there to get a better look. Who the hell will finish the hole in the ground? That's a very damn good question. I mean, Mike, with the plans, will put together a crew. But I'm sure that will be dealt with next season. I'm glad that we get, got to see Gale again, which is the next season, as Mike steps out and kills him. I mean, there's not much else to say about the... I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do that. There's not much else to say about the scene. It's very, very heavy. And Mike does it. It's very visually awesome. I think we talked the hell out of this. Uh, great scene, great way of Varner going. Great misdirection throughout the season with Kai as people put it out, pointed out in the live chat. And I thought this German arc building this point in the lab was 
needed and a very amazing element of this season. Gail will finish digging. <laughs> Alternative version, he just puts on the men in black, no, the uh, neuralizer, the flashy thingy. <laughs> wow. I mean, Gail. It's incredible. I feel like we've been talking about this forever, and now, here it is. An architectural feat. I Truly should have let him burn you all to the ground. Herculean. This is... This is... Yeah, we're going to get to that in a second, but I might as well talk about this now just to finish off that story. Eventually, we do see later in the episode, Mike shows up at the lab here at the end. Or, or we're getting to this now. It's actually this scene. So let me finish this. As, as Gail gets excited and it's like, I can do a rudimentary cook right here. Yeah. <laughs> I can work with this. I mean, it's not exactly what we talked about. But it has possibilities even. And Gus just gives him a look. He's like, no, we're not doing a fucking bullshit cook. We're going to do this and we're going to do this right. Get the fuck out of here. And Gail and Mike meet for a second and they, and they have a quick little interaction. And then as what Joseph was talking about, Mike and Gus share a look. Gus gives him the, is he dead look? And Mike gives him the, yep. He's dead. <laughs> and that's all they need to do. Nothing is said. It is just done in looks. Fucking awesome. I love it. Love it. Great. And this is where I paused. the. I talked about this a little bit earlier. I paused the television and I thought to myself, I said, self, hi, Phil. And there was some music playing too. There was definitely some music playing. What kind of music? Not that music, silly. <laughs> play, play, play something, play something else. Play something else. Listen, self. I wonder. I don't want there just to be five minutes left in Better Call Saul. See, I don't have anything funny here. I, I was going to go to, I can't do it with that music right there. I I'm not going to spend time finding the right music to get silly to. But at that point in time in the episode, I, I paused it and I was upset that there was only five minutes left in the episode. I said to myself, self? Yes, Phil? Is Saul going to get his license back? Yeah. There's no way he doesn't. And he's going to be called Saul by the end of the episode. or he's gonna, We're going to head in that direction. And they fucking did it. They figured it out in a really awesome way as we get to the end of our episode as Kim and... Jimmy walk in and he's got the letter. It's a great letter. We get Kim in her little bounce. And get the pat in the chest. This should do it. Chuck wrote a good letter. Yeah, it should do it. <clears throat> and it's now time for Jimmy to read the letter. This is going to go really well, right? We know this is going to go perfect. He's going to read this letter. No audibles of any kind. 
but instead Jimmy takes it in a very different direction. This is one of those things that I am going to play in its entirety. And we are, anyone who's watched this episode, and if you're watching this podcast, you've probably watched the episode, or at least at least you understand what's going on in this moment, as Jimmy is needing to prove that he's a genuine person. So he decides to read a letter from Chuck, or that's what Kim has kind of pointed him in the direction for, to basically make everyone realize that he loves Chuck, that he cared about Chuck, dedicated this library to Chuck and didn't want to be known, but made sure he was known. And now he's going to read this letter from Chuck. So let's see how this goes. Chuck wrote a great letter. Let's no, let's see how it goes. Prepared statement. So whenever you're ready. Thank you, Your Honor. I, I don't have a prepared statement, but I do have this. Um, it's a letter. I love the pro tips by Iron Throne. Pro tips, if you put the main video window on your TV and use the computer for a pop-up video live chat, bam! Jeffrey says, next season begins with Mike driving. He hears a bang from his trunk, pulls over. Varner's in there, still alive. He goes to Stacy's house for a night where he makes him a large dinner. It's the good fellas part. Ye fucking ha, Melly Mel. It was so freaking great, Gus, damn it. So it really was. It, that look back and forth, that's what this show excels on almost better than any other show ever, even its parent show, the nonverbal communication. They, through just the amazing level that they've gotten in visual storytelling, they can tell so much without saying shit. And Breaking Bad, which I still is, I en- is is I enjoy equally, but I think edges it out a little bit more just because of the Walt Jesse dynamic, who I think are two of the greatest characters in television history, and I also think Saul and Mike are very great characters as well on this show and Chuck. But there's just something about I don't want to use this opportunity to glorify Breaking Bad. As I've mentioned before, when this is all said and done and both series are done, I will do a single podcast that's all about what is greater, Breaking Bad or Better Call Saul. And I think it's a credit to Better Call Saul that I, in how much I like Breaking Bad and how much I think it's one of that and maybe a couple of other shows that would be in the discussion, one of the greatest shows of all time, the fact that I even have that battle in my mind sometimes about is Better Call Saul better at what it's trying to do? And no, they're both equally as awesome. It's about taste and about which one you like better. It's I've mentioned this a thousand times. I'll mention it a thousand more times before the end of the Better Call Saul podcast. It's a sh- amazing chef that has two meals on this menu so far in this universe. And it depends on which meal you feel like which day. Both are exceptionally awesome. Neither one is better or worse than the other. And they're almost interchangeable in the way that they're one giant entity while still being two separate things. Fucking great. And five minutes left. Here we go. Let's listen to this shit. Enough Breaking Bad talk. Plenty of time for that. I'm about to start a Breaking Bad rewatch pretty soon. Um, My brother, Charles McGill. He left it to me in his will. And I received it last year after he passed. 
before this happens, I'm just ask everyone that's watching it or that had watched it. How many of you thought when he really starts to break down that any part of it was genuine or did everyone think that it was a con the whole time? Who got conned by Jimmy? You can let me know in the live chat or in the comment section later. I got conned for about five seconds where my mind goes, wait, is Jimmy being real here? Holy shit. And then I said, oh, no, no, fuck. What am I thinking? What am I thinking? Yeah, I'm being conned. Did did anyone, and if so, I'm ash- not ashamed, but I'll say he conned me for longer than I'm willing to admit that I was buying into Jimmy being a little honest. <laughs> but I'm very naive. I'm an easy mark. <clears throat> Dear Jimmy, I have left... Lucky Bernie, I haven't gotten any more Super Chat donations, so uh, no more shots. Things unsaid in our relationship through the years. Rather than allow these unspoken thoughts to die with me, I've chosen to record them here for you. I hope you will take my words in this. J. Cole, complete genius. The way it was shot, the way it, what, the way it naturally occurs, and the way his mind went, Jimmy got me. <laughs> I, got, I can't lie. Slipping Jimmy, Saul Goodman, got me in this moment in which they are intended. I remember quite clearly the day you came home from the... Jeffrey says it was a fake. I, I find it hard to believe Kim wouldn't have felt the same way. I agree with that. Maybe that's a little bit of a, a criticism we can put in here that Kim would, even for a second, fall into this and believe it. But she does get wrapped up in the moment. I mean, I guess it's believable that, you know, when you're in the room, we're watching from television, we're watching from sort of a God's eye perspective. So it's hard to think about when you're in that moment. It's like watching a stand-up comedy show from television rather than when you're in the room. When you're in the room watching stand-up comedy, you laugh at jokes you wouldn't normally laugh at if you're watching on television. It takes a better joke to make you laugh watching on TV. Or me. It takes, I shouldn't say you. For me, if I'm in the room and stand-up comedy, I'll laugh at jokes that I wouldn't laugh at if I'm at home watching. You can't imagine the joy on mom's face. I can honestly say I never saw her happier. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Stop the execution. What is it this time, Alistair? Alistair. I'm sorry, I can't do this. I was, I was just gonna try to, I was gonna try to move you all with my brother's eloquent words, you know, pull on your heartstrings, but it's not right. This letter's between me and him. The eyes that Kim has during this scene as she's going all through Jimmy's thing and following him through every move like oh he's fucking up he's not fucking up oh my goodness i'm starting to believe him this is working this is working it's really great i love i love her acting reese Seahorn, is that her name her non again her non-verbal acting is exceptional she has very expressive eyes and you she doesn't need to say much to understand what she's thinking it should stay that way J. Cole Listen, says, Kim my brother is, Chuck, 
Kim has been waiting for Jimmy to say something this like this since the start of the season. He loved me. To find out she got fooled really hurt her. And I think also to back up that point when people were saying maybe why would Kim believe this? Sometimes when people fuck you over, not fuck you over, when people, you want someone to do something, you'll search for that moment in any situation. And she's been looking for Jimmy to acknowledge the Chuck situation. So to hear him say this, he's saying what she's wanted to hear him say. So it opens her up easier to be conned or to understand it. Because just like all these people on the board that respect Chuck, they want to hear all of this. And Jimmy knows that. He did not love me as a lawyer. Big reason I became a lawyer was Chuck. He was the most brilliant man I ever knew. And an incredible lawyer. No, I don't think it's going to end the relationship immediately. I think it's just going to set set the dominoes in motion for Kim to continue down another brick. All in all, it's just another brick in the wall. Yeah, and uh, he knew exactly who he was. Exactly. And all my life, I wanted to make him. She did. We talk a lot this season. Uh, she did. I'm, I'm like, <laughs> I love when I don't read the name of someone or even the comment. I slipped it to Jimmy. <laughs> a Curry says, uh, Reese Seahorn killed it. She did. She deserves just as much attention during the award season as Bob Odenkirk did, does, and Mike McKeon did. And this season of Better Call Saul. Deserves a lot of attention. I know the award shows can be bullshitty, but I am I buy into the bullshit sometimes, and I watch it. And Better Call Saul deserves to win all kinds of awards in this for this season. And he was not an easy man. I'm a little surprised that Kim and Jimmy made it through season four. I will, I will admit that. At the beginning of the season, I didn't think they'd make it. I thought the Kim arc would be completed, but she's too good to miss out on the show in the final season. And I think the Kim and Jimmy relationship will be ended to a certain extent in the first quarter of the next season. And she's going to be very upset with herself for allowing herself to be part of the Saul Goodman chapter of Jimmy. And she's going to feel very responsible for all of that. Excuse me. And it's going to make her just very upset. And we're going to follow that. And that's going to drive more of a wedge between them over a long period of time or, or a short or shorter, like a few months to a year period of time. I think their relationship's done. So I think their relationship's probably going to be done early part of Better Call Saul season five. Ow, fuck, that hurt. Anyways, so they re Bob play so well off each other without saying much when their ears go back at the end of the scene it it's really very theater like acting they play off each other exceptionally well excuse me from listening to both of them talk they rehearse together a lot when they don't necessarily have to excuse me on their own they get together and run scenes they have a dynamic a sort of back and forth competitive fun relationship in the way that they work together and I think it comes off exceptionally well on screen and it's something that's worked and got better every season and with Chuck gone coming in this season a lot of t- a lot of talk at the beginning of this uh, season four 
I asked the question, how are they going to fill in that gap for the missing moment of Chuck? And as much as I enjoyed Kim in the previous seasons, and I think she has her moments leading up, this season has been Kim's season. Odenkirk killed it as always. Nacho had a great season. Gus had some amazing moments. Mike as well. And just overall, everyone kicked ass. But I would say if I had to give anyone my MVP of this season, it'd be Odenkirk. But if I had to give a co-MVP, it would be to her. Both of them. And I know Joe poo-pooed this, and I don't think it's the same thing at all, but similar to other shows, I was going to say The Sopranos, but with with Carmel in season four, because it's completely different acting style and completely different personality in the way the characters depict. I just mean as co-leads. I think this season really Odenkirk and Ree have both killed it and deserve co-lead credit for this. But it is Odenkirk's series. And he continuously amazes me for some incredible monologues this season. This being one of them. You know, like climbing Everest without supplies. If you- Interesting character moving forward is Francesca. We know she has a role in the Gene timeline and a hell of a story involvement with Saul. It goes from sweet to bitter, disenchanted, and mean. It's going to be it's going to be cool to see Francesca again and when she comes into play. Is she immediately, are we going to start the next season where Saul Goodman is off and rolling? He has the office and we just start in and Francesca, we start in on Francesca's right after the cold open. Her, welcome to Saul Goodman, you know, better, co- thank you for calling Saul or something. One of the lucky few who reached that peak, even for a moment, if you made him proud, wow, what a feeling. And he let you know oh, it, too. Oh, what a feeling. But if you weren't one of those people... He, he was polite enough, but he did not suffer fools, you know? And he could be judgmental and difficult. And he knew how to get under your skin. Could be a real son of a bitch. <laughs> Chuck was the one who was always right. Yeah, she's just it. It's her season. I mean, the whole series is Odenkirk's, but if last season, in a lot of ways, was Michael McKeon's season, this season is her season. That's why I thought she might be gone at the end of the season, just because she had so much focus and so much awesome shit going on. So I just can't wait. But it seemed I don't even think this was the case, but it's almost. Like with Aaron Paul and Brian Cranston, they just have such incredible chemistry. You can't break them apart. I know people. some people know this, some people don't. The Jesse Pinkman character was supposed to be killed at the end of the first season, but they changed it because they just didn't want to lose Aaron Paul on the show. And, of course, that's an amazing decision. And I'm not saying they had a decision to get rid of Kim and Jimmy's relationship. But I think at this point, they their scenes... And their dynamic is so exceptionally well done. It makes sense to bring Kim into the next season. And even when her and Jimmy split at the beginning of the season, she's a character that can that is one of the forces that carries this show. And she should not get under-noticed when it comes to awards and unfocus on the show. Because this, this season has been fucking amazing in equal part to Kim as every other factor on this show. I would not say that in previous seasons. 
I liked Kim in previous seasons. This season, she's killed it. So let me continue here and listen to more Jimmy. And usually he was, you know. So for a guy like me, I did lousy in school. I lacked ambition. I always cut corners. I mean, for me to live up to the standards of Charles McGill, <laughs> I mean, look at me. I'll never be as moral as him. I'll never be as smart. I'll never be as respected. I'll never be as good as Chuck. I'll never be as good as Chuck. <laughs> but I can try. I can try. If you decide and I get to be a lawyer, I'll do everything in my power to be worthy of the name McGill. And if you decide I'm not a lawyer? Me too, Lindsay. Doesn't matter. I'll still try to be the best man that I can be. Chuck was still an asshole. I'm lucky. And you can see that one guy, one guy on the board is crying. The other woman is totally feeling what he's saying. Kim starts getting teary-eyed. It's a really emotional moment. I'd say, like I said, for a few seconds in there and first watch, I'm like. I'm thinking, oh, is he being a little genuine here? But pretty soon you realize he's just running a con. And it's really amazing to see the next level con men skills that he's turning on in this whole Saul Goodman situation. And then we get this final scene between Kim and Jimmy where Jimmy is full on thinking he's in... in... Kim is on the inside and she's loving him for him and for the crazy con man that he can be and in the way he's emotionally shut down by all of this. But no, she believed what he was saying and fell into it. Now she feels stupid. This is the only time he's done this to her either. This is just, again, another brick in the wall and it's starting to build up and pretty soon she's not going to be able to come back from this. And listen to this scene, the final Scene of Better Call Saul Season 4. And then we have a voicemail from Big J. I knew you could do it. I knew you it had so you. great. I mean, yes, they, they have to reinstate you. Uh, right? Yeah, did to. you see those suckers? That one asshole was crying. He had actual tears. Jesus, Kim. Jay says he thinks he meant uh, SMJ. Says he thinks he meant 80% of what he said. Kevin Costner story because I believe it. Listen, I started reading the letter and I just knew it wasn't, I could tell by their faces, it wasn't going to be enough, right? So I just went off on this flow, you know, I had this energy going through me. It was like improv or jazz and then boom, I sunk the hook in. I'm so lucky I have this letter. God, I could see the matrix, you know. I was invincible. I could dodge bullets, baby. And you were right. You were right. It was all about Chuck. The whole time. I love how excited he is. Not this exact situation, but I've been in this situation where you come in and you're so proud of yourself for doing something. You're like, I did this. I'm so awesome. I'm great. Aren't I amazing the way I did this thing? Isn't it fucking incredible? Blah, 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 blah. While the person listening to you brag about that is 
horrified with what you're talking about. I was in a really good relationship and I did something that I don't think was wrong necessarily. And I came home and I talked about how I was so excited about how I did this awesome thing. She was sitting there horrified that I did. And she kicked me out of her house and threw lasagna at me and never talked to me again until two weeks later when she was like, or a few months later when she was like, oh, I'm sorry, I overreacted. And it was too late. We had passed our point. But so it's it's a fucked up situation here where where Jimmy is bragging about this and Kim is being horrified every step that he's bragging. Oh, Mr. McGill, you're still here. There's some good news. Believe me, I already know. Oh, good. Then if you want to come with me to the office, there's some paperwork for you to sign. Absolutely. Let's do this thing. Oh, and sweetheart, I'm going to need one more form. Uh, DBA, because I'm not going to be practicing under the name McGill. So... Shouldn't be a problem. Just down the hall, we have all the floors. Great. Great. Whoa, 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 whoa. Wait, Jimmy, Jimmy, what? What? It's all good, man. Wait, what was that again? Jimmy. The guild, so. Shouldn't be a problem. Just down the hall, we have all the floors. Great. Great. Wait, wait, Jimmy, Jimmy, what? It's all good, man. I didn't save the lasagna, but I did take a piece off my shoulder and took a bite of it. So I couldn't save the whole lasagna, but I did take a bite of it as I was walking out in a sort of spiteful way. It's like, you wasted a lasagna. It's good lasagna. You sure? What's up? Because I was confused by the whole situation. I was like, can I come back in? Uh, I'm very happy. And no. <laughs> but that's a story for a different day. Joe Dirty Locks has a similar, has a different story about the same person. So. One day, Joe and I should trade our stories about that. <laughs> oh, my God. So it's all fucking good, man. And Jimmy walks away as Kim is left behind. And so much of our season discussion has been about what causes Kim to leave Jimmy. And does Kim fuck up? Does Kim go to jail? Blah, 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 blah. Maybe Jimmy moves past Kim. I don't think necessarily but when he gets full saw Goodman, it might be tough for him to stop and smell the roses emotionally in any way, shape, or form. So it's going to be interesting to see how their relationship ends exactly in the next season because it's there's nothing long-lasting in this situation. Saul fucking good, man. So let's listen to one last voicemail from Big J from this season to Better Call Saul and then hopefully we can get Big J back here next season to Better Call Saul and hopefully maybe a couple times during Game of Thrones season whenever that comes on to if he's still down with watching that when the new season comes so Big J thank you so much for an amazing season of voicemails as always and here comes Big J say you guys are all full of shit this episode sucked no, but here's Big J, Big J's voicemail. Good to see you, buddy. And still, one day we got to have the big issues party and hang out and toast some drinks, my friend. So uh, here we go. Oh, no. Don't here we go. That's wrong. I lied. I lied. Here I go now. Hey, what's up, Phil, buddy? It's Big J here. Sorry. I uh, called you so late here. 
couldn't use the phone earlier. But anyway, uh, fucking awesome ending. I had a lot of payoff, man. Dude, fucking awesome. Dude, you fucking know? awesome. Uh, just, a, just a good ending, man. I, I love Jimmy the way he fooled them all at the end. He, he goes, look at that one fucking asshole was crying or whatever. And Tim was like, <laughs> you could see Tim was what a great show tonight. I really enjoyed it. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to take the recap now. I'm, uh, I was in and out with the recap, but, um, I wanted to call you guys since it was the last show. I thought it was a fucking awesome ending. Um, that Lalo's a sick fuck. And, uh, you know, um, it was a lot of, I actually enjoyed the, the Breaking Bad stuff tonight, like the way it went into it. Like, that was the real mic. That was the mic from Breaking Bad. You know, I think he didn't want to kill the German, uh, but he knew he had to do it. He showed his loyalty to Gus, and that's where they, yeah. that's where the bond really, you know, Mike, Mike just took care of him. The German went out like a man. He walked out into the sunlight, I mean, into the moonlight, whatever. Um, I just thought the way they did it, the way they filmed it with the stars, I was just, it was just a fucking awesome ending. It really was, yeah. Definitely looking forward to next year. I think they're going to wrap it up real nice. A lot of payoff tonight, though. Um, I, I do wish they would have showed uh, a little bit of Nacho, but um, I love the ending, though. So good, man, you know. Win and take it all, however that song goes. That was great, man. Great beginning. Just a great Win show all around. All. all right, buddy, I'll call you during, uh, I'll call you during, uh, that other show that you like that. Yeah, Game of Thrones. I watched, watched all the seasons. Awesome. The one on uh, Game of Thrones. All right? All right. You and Dirty Joe, keep drinking that tequila, and uh, I'll see you soon. All right? All right, bye. Awesome. Big J, thank you so much. Big J makes some awesome points about this episode. Really well done. Very, con- very, very conclusive for the moments that we needed in this season. They're not leaving any silly things up in the air. They didn't make us wait to get Saul's decision in the court case. You know, some lesser shows would have carried the cliffhanger over for the decision of the the appeal and made us wait. But no, we get the decision at the end. We get that conclusion. It's just a really awesome episode of an exceptional season of television. I had a lot of fun with season four of Better Call Saul. I had a lot of fun talking to you guys, whether it be you guys in the audio cast especially the live motherfucking chat and anyone who checks out the videos later. So if you enjoyed this episode, please let me know in the comment section below and ask any questions. I'll try to get back to you. And Joe and I will be on this week, either Thursday or Friday morning, Eastern Standard Time, probably in the very early wee hours of uh, 8 or 9 a.m. and talking about talking about the very important question of you know what I thought here I've talked for almost three hours here about this episode what but what did Joe think what did Joe what did Joe think what did Joe what did Joe think was a boot or did it really fucking stink spoiler alert I bet Joe thought it was good <laughs> so yeah Joe and I will be on so you'll get a third podcast from us this week as moving or not we're going to be on as, as the good shows air. We're going to be on. Joe and I will also be doing a Daredevil adventure when Daredevil Season 2 comes out. I mean, Season 3 comes out. We'll be doing the whole series in one day. 
A lot of mini little podcasts, a little like 20 minute podcast. It's gonna be fun. So yeah, what did Joe think coming up this week? Let's go in the live chat. <laughs> we need some skinny Pete. We definitely need some skinny fucking Pete. Could, yeah, we need Ernesto. We need an Ern- Ernesto karaoke bars uh, prequel. <laughs> Ernie. Ernesto, before he was a lawyer. <laughs> well, I need some music for this. Ernesto. Before Ernesto was a lawyer, before he was Chuck's assistant, he was the world's worst karaoke host. Ernesto, we love you. It was really, it was really good to see Ernesto again, though. It was good. I love all the callbacks in this episode to other characters. Seeing them again, Gail coming back. Michael McKeon being back in this episode, Ernie being back in this episode. Great stuff. Howard making one, not one last appearance, but one last appearance this season too, and probably his best appearance. Seeing all the kids from the the film crew. But one thing I do want to mention before the end, what Big J was saying. I did, did miss not seeing Nacho one more time. I think we're familiar with where Nacho's story's at right now. Lalo is used him for what he needed to use him for. Nacho's trying to save money to get his dad and him out through Canada. Uh, so I see that there's no more progression in Nacho's story, so there's no necessarily necessary need for him because they're pressed for time. But I still wouldn't have minded seeing him and somehow connected to the Lalo scene, having Lalo somehow use him in this context to help him out in this chase. But that being said, it'll be cool to see him next season. And this show does a great job of making me want more. And that works too. So. <laughs> He's a little bit older and kind of was seeing Sawface. Ernie performs the best of Bonnie Taylor. I like that. Ernie had dreams of being the next idol that. <laughs> the next American idol. That legal thing did not work out. Thank you, Jeffrey Townsend. Thank you to all of you, Jeffrey, uh, J. Cole, Bernie the Burnt, Iron Throne, Lindsay, J. S. M. Down, Big J, Joe Dirty Locks this season, all of the people that have popped in the live chat tonight, all the people that have checked out the Better Call Saul podcast this season. It has been an awesome season talking about the show. I seriously cannot wait to get back to this show and talk more about it. If any information comes out in the off season as things come on, I will try to do podcasts or little streams about that. Little streams. <laughs> what happens to me eventually with the bathroom? Little streams. Thank you, Joseph. This has been a lot of fun. This has been one of my favorite shows of the season to talk about and one of my favorite casts because you guys in the live chat have made this, as always, an amazing show. So thank you to the Super Chat donators for making me more drunk than I probably should be right now from two shots because they were big fucking shots. And uh, one more time, good night, everybody, if you haven't already. And you enjoyed this show. If you're listening to the audio cast, get on iTunes. Give us a star rating and a review. We need some. Do it. Even if you don't listen to the audio cast, do that. And you have an iTunes account, 
Look up Fill the Issues Guy, the regular one. Not any of the specified ones. Like the Game of Thrones one or the Walking Dead one. Just the regular one. And give us uh, some star ratings and a review. Whatever your honest opinion is. We're not soliciting five star ratings, but we'll take them. <laughs> and if you haven't already and you enjoyed this video, please hit the like button and hit the subscribe button. Share the channel with a friend. Think about all the different ways you can help the channel grow. You can find that all in the description box below. And make sure you tune in later in the week for Joe and I for What Did Joe Think? Even if you can't check it out live, make sure you check it out. Leave a comment in the comment section below if you're listening to this after the fact. If you have a question for Joe Dirty Locks or call and leave a voicemail at 781-990-8509. Also, I'll be back this Sunday with The Walking David to talk about The Walking Dead. A lot more shows coming up soon, too. I love all you guys. Have a good night. As Kim would say, let's do it again sometime. Odenkirk will be back. Also coming about with Child's Play. There's an Odenkirk movie on Netflix that just showed up. I'm going to be watching. Mike will wear his polos badge pretty soon. <laughs> oh, no. The music ended. You can also send Phil and Joe a surprise gift to our P.O. Boxes. Yes, you can find our P.O. Box in the description box below. If you have any gifts you want to send us, feel free to send away to our P.O. Box. Say hi to us that way, especially as it's not even close, but the holiday season is somewhat approaching. If you want to send Joe and I a gift, just label it properly and who the gift is to. We happily accept all your love. We appreciate it. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody.